Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, and we have made it to Florida after God knows how many years of wondering if he'd ever make it to the Sunshine State. We're doing what millions of other Americans are doing over the last 18 months. We have a journey to Florida, the number one state, it seems, or at least the most talked about state, in the United States of America. And um, what can I say? It's great to be here on this Tuesday morning, October the 12th, the 6th of Marcheshvan. And it's, uh, it's an interesting show for us because we're actually going to be presenting this JM in the AM, uh, which will have been recorded Monday night. We're sitting here Monday night at Beth Israel Congregation in, um, in the Miami Beach. And we are actually presenting this as our Tuesday morning JM in the AM. Miriam Elwala, can you believe it? We've made it to the Sunshine State. Nahum, it's a Tuesday that feels like a Monday. <laughs> That's a, <laughs> no exaggeration there. And unlike most people who have come to Florida, we have a round-trip ticket. Yeah, most people have come to Florida, and they're never leaving, it seems. Correct. Uh, they've fallen in love with the place over the last 18 months for a variety of reasons. Um, and we came to check it out for ourselves to see what Rabbi Bix and others have said. <laughs> That's where rumors start. We're what? not checking it out like everyone else who has come down to Florida. No. We're learning about the community. Really? We wanted to check right. out what's going on here. We're going to spend you, a few hours figuring out what on earth is it that's so attractive about Beth Israel uh, and Miami Beach and the state of Florida. And, uh, and By Friday night in the Mizrahi, you're going to get so... Here you're moving to Miami. Nah, believe me, with all the rumors about where I've been moving over the years, <laughs> that, that ain't going to make much of a, uh, of a, a splash. Dent. Yeah, not at all. Uh, anyway, so here we are on a Tuesday morning broadcast. We're going to be meeting some of the people here at the Beth Israel Congregation, of course, part of the historic Miami Beach community. This is a historic synagogue uh, around for many, many, many decades. I told you who I had breakfast with. I heard. I had breakfast, just to fill in yeah. all of our listeners. Name dropper I coming know, up. I know, it's embarrassing, but I'm doing it anyway no. because, you know, for good it's reason. it's not that embarrassing. Right, because I had breakfast with Rebbitz and Sari Teitelbaum, right. who to many of us is Sari Teitelbaum, but to many others, she is Sari Wine. Right. So she is Rabbi Wine's daughter, and when I told her I was coming down to Florida between being in this shul and tomorrow being at the Hebrew Academy, she was awash with with just great memories, <laughs> and she kept on talking about how she has such fondness from Miami Beach, and those were the best days, and she has fond memories of the school, and she loved being in the shul, and she was all excited for me to come down here and be here. Well, that's just the one of the historic figures in the Jewish world, uh, meaning, of course, Rabbi Wine, mm -hmm. uh, who's been part of the Miami Beach community at some point over the last many, many decades. So we're going to be finding out what this is all about, what's been happening here, and uh, how beautiful and wonderful this community is. As you mentioned, tomorrow will be... I'm laughing because we were told that the lighting in here... Yeah. The, I don't know, you want His voice activated. His voice activated. Well, it's active, all right. Every time I say something, it's it's jumping all over the place. It's, I think we're going to give it a heart attack <laughs> because it's spasming. It doesn't know what to do with us. We're so frenetic. We have voice. This may be the first time. I'm doing know. this 38 years. This may be the first time that I've had voice activated lights. I feel like, I feel like I'm doing a concert at the Garden that I have voice activated <laughs> lights uh, that are uh, going on and off as the show is going on. It's pretty cool, actually. So uh, let's be quiet. Oh, 
This is, oh my gosh. Did that what work? Was that? No, what was that? That was Simon, right? It was Simon was the game right, that you're probably getting. That's what I feel like right now. You're showing your age. Be careful. Thank you. You, it's that, you know what? The show is going great until right now. You don't want people to think that you actually remember that game. And, Thanks. Uh, and, and kids today wouldn't even believe that that was an entertaining game, frankly. I want to welcome Ralph That's Rosenbaum. True. The, our the new, chairman. Our New Jersey chair of the Jewish Unity Initiative. When Ralph found out that we're coming down to spend, I don't know, essentially... 48 broadcast hours, or however you want to look at it, here in Florida, he said, well, I, I, I am going to continue uh, to support this mission and continue to uh, be part of this mission uh, in terms of making sure to um, uh, check out other Jewish communities and see what's happening even outside of the state. Oh, and Ralph's joining us immediately? Wow. I will, well, it's already wow. Nahum, It's already almost 610. I guess. You wow. know, what's funny, though, is that when we, we met up at the airport, yeah. I looked at him and I said, Ralph, it looks exactly like Dubai. <laughs> Because the last time we all met. The last time Ralph traveled with us was to the Jewish Unity Initiative trip to Dubai, which was, as you just said, very similar to Miami Beach. Correct. Yeah, very similar, to say the least. Uh, Ralph Rosenbaum, chairman of the Jewish Unity Initiative, New Jersey chapter. Thank you for being here today, sir. I want to show you something. I'm covered now in a sports jacket. I would like to show you that. um, Hope our video camera picks this up. That's what I hope, that that people get to see me. I am basically... It says, I'm hoping it, people read it, it says chairman. Yes. He is the chairman. The chairman. And the back says, the chairman. The Am I cha- correct? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those who are thank, wondering. Thank I got my it. wife. <laughs> for, those who, for those who've been wondering if this has gone to Ralph's head. No, over no, all not these, at all. After all these months. <laughs> it's obvious that the Dubai trip had quite an effect <laughs> on him. You know, they've been sending invitations over to their house, and it says the chairman and Mrs. Mr. Rosenberg. Mr. and Mrs. Chairman? Yeah. Because I, now he's got to display the fact that he is chairman. But I, we are proudly ve- and very honored yes. that he is chairman of the Jewish Unity Initiative and has played such an important role in the what we call the New Jersey chapter. We're not going to slight our good friend Simon Jacob, who leads the entire Jewish Unity Initiative. And, and Ralph, uh, over the next few hours, I hope you'll get a chance to meet some of the people and see why this is, in fact... Such a wonderful I, community. Already it has a little warmth. I don't mean the weather. I mean, in general, the community has some warmth to it that I think you've noticed. Yes, there is warmth in, this con- there's, there is warmth in the congregation. There's warmth, there's warmth here, and I thank you for letting me take a leave. I decided to do yeah. – uh, they were doing Minchin Marav. Yeah, and, uh, you participated with them. I participated. I, I did that as well. I got family here already. I that. Go ahead, Ralph. I'm sorry. No, that's no, no, <laughs> all right. Not, not a problem. And I'm very happy to be here. In, in, in this initiative, yes, I was in Dubai, and we, we are, Nachum, the Siegel, the Nachum Siegel Network is going places. Uh, it's been to Pittsburgh, unfortunately. Right. It's been to Dubai. It is now in Miami. We will see where else you're going. See what the unity is leading We've done Atlanta. We've done Boca. We've done... We uh, would like to do Israel. We did oh, the, yes. Do we, we ever the want to do Israel? We did the Florida. But yes, one of the places we'd like to do is, uh, is Israel. And the only reason we're saying it like that is because most of our broadcasts on the road have been from Israel. But over right. the last 18 months, that whole effort has been stifled. I think it was miraculous that I was able to at least do our NCSY programming this summer from Israel. Thank God for that. But aside from that... You ha- and I have not been back in Israel That's correct. since January 2020. Correct. It's the very first since we did the Mizrahi Siyum at Binyanei Haoma. That was the le- Right? Wasn't that that trip? I no. We- that wasn't that trip? No. Our kids were in Israel that year. So what was it? We were there for something else. No. I don't even remember that. <laughs> But it was the, no it offense was, to the sponsor. <laughs> but we was, don't remember right. why but we were was, there. But it was the first week in January, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So I think we left Israel January 7th of 2020, and that was, in fact... Right. You um, and I have not been right. back since... That was the whole time that the network was there. Let's put right. it that way. And in crazy, crazy history, I have not, since working for you, 
this is the longest span wow. of time since th- that I haven't been in his This COVID thing is nuts. Terrible. Or so's this job. You could say that again. Yeah. Keeping us out of the Holy Land? That's I awful. know. It's crazy. Well, if someone would let us in. By the way, Twitter is is a flutter with people who have gotten into Israel and who are taking pictures at a variety of different it might be openings. What pre- it might be what President Biden's doing. You know how he set up that phony White House as his background? It could be people are it just could be. putting Kevin Ruchel in the back and saying they're in Israel. You know what I'm saying? It's possible. It's like one of those Zoom things Doubt where people, Mike Pence where people is pulling really that shtick, but okay, fine. Really, they're vacationing in the United Kingdom, and yeah. in reality, they're making believe that they're in yeah. New York doing their, you know, doing their thing. That's so. like when I pretend I'm in the office and I'm really in Hawaii. All right, point well taken. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. So, Ralph, I want to thank you. <laughs> I thank and, you, and um, and thanks again for uh, being one of the backbones for us in terms of uh, support, enthusiasm, and just keeping us uh, completely. Uh, on point of visiting Jewish communities around the it world. Is my, it is my pleasure, and I was very happy. People may know I'm an accountant. I have things due October 15th. Yeah. And I need I, <laughs> needed, week for I needed 24 hours of vacation. So Boy. B needed 24, 24 hours of vacation. <laughs> my, my wife gosh. did 24 hours of vacation, exactly. but I needed also. And I said, my clients, I'll be back Wednesday. B, right. you're welcome. There you go. And Ralph will be joining us tomorrow as well when we visit the very Hebrew well. Academy. Correct. Thank All you. right, more coming up. We are going to go to a, a brand new selection. Believe it or not, we come to Florida. We bring brand new music. Eighth Day's got some brand new music, which we're going to take care of now. And we will meet, uh, of course, many of the people here at Beth Israel, including Rabbi Bixson and company. Uh, we've got uh, almost three hours more to go. Could you imagine? We've got a whole stretch of time that we're going to be spending here meeting some people, visiting the Sunshine State, and finding out why. This is, of the 50 states, it seems to be the most popular state in the union. I mean, can you imagine a list a list of 50, and it makes number one? That's, that's pretty remarkable. Just ask Ben Shapiro. Yeah, he, that's right. Didn't he move to Florida? Indeed, he did. People. We could probably list a bunch of people we know who moved to Florida. Correct. I did I tell you that, one, that, two, that my daughter has two new kids in her class who made, as I like to refer to as the reverse commute, they moved from Florida to New York? I'm like, why would you happen. do that? <laughs> why on earth? I guess would they're you trying to that? even things out after I what's been know. happening the last 18 months. I don't know. That could be. Yeah. More coming up. It's brand new eighth day, and you're listening to JM in the AM.
puzzles coming clear Every last piece is needed no here No Uber driver, part-time graphic designer Any clock that ticks is telling me This is our time, lucky Thank you. 
J.M. in the A.M. on a Tuesday morning broadcast all the way from Miami Beach. Could you imagine? Here we are, Beth Israel Congregation on a Tuesday morning broadcast, actually recording the show Monday night. Uh, so we have access to some amazing guests and wonderful people to get on the air. By the way, hello to the Golds. They're here. They introduced themselves to us. Hello to Gabe Deitch. Where's Gabe Deitch? He introduced himself to us. Listener Cena's in the room somewhere. Listener Cena. Yes, the legendary Listener Cena from North Miami Beach. I don't know where she is now. Somewhere along the coast. But she's here as well. And I want to thank her and uh, everybody who's come to visit us here at Beth Israel. I want to thank Paya Capital, who are sponsoring this evening's broadcast. Thanks very much. And I want to introduce, uh, I want to introduce Faye Rabinovich, who I am told is an actual transplant. We, we, we keep talking about us doing what so many millions have been doing over the last 18 months, which is um, moving to the, or I should say, coming down to Florida. That We're doing the same thing. We have to check out this whole scene. And apparently she's one of the people that's made this move very recently. Faye Rabinovich, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you. Nice to see you. Nice to speak to you. And tell me the story. Are you, in fact, one of these recent transplants to the Sunshine State? Indeed, I am. How did this all work out? What happened? We lived on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and COVID happened. 
my apartment became a mess. My kitchen operated as a restaurant, as a laundry room, and as my husband's office, in addition to my kids being on Zoom. So one day, my husband's office decided they are going remote indefinitely. My husband looks at me, and he says, Miami, and I give him a big thumbs up. <laughs> we did consider Israel for three seconds, but it wasn't practical. Didn't work out right now, but Florida out. did. And what's it been like since you've got here? Um, we basically picked up and moved within two weeks. Wow. And it's been amazing. It's kind of like living on vacation. How long ago did this happen? How many months ago? Last June. Oh, so literally, as we would call it, the middle of the, of the peak of the whole situation, especially yes. with what was going on in New York at that time. Yes. So tell me now a newcomer's impression of this community. Um, the community is lovely. Uh, everyone's been extremely friendly. There are too many shuls. Uh, um, <laughs> My opinion, they should all merge. Rabbi Bixen told me there's only one shul. Wait a second. <laughs> well, there's only one shul for me, but okay, good. there's a lot of shuls. So if you're in a different school, you're in a different shul, you don't know who these people are. So you don't get to see everyone in the community, right. only the people that you are affiliated with by shul or school. Right. And so far, it's been a nice affiliation, I would gather. It's been lovely. Uh, but what could you tell people who are considering this? Because you know that no matter where people are listening to this show, somebody is considering moving to Florida even now a year later. You mean considering Florida in general? Yeah. Um, it's very different. Well, I'm coming from Manhattan, so it's a very different lifestyle. Right. I really feel like I'm on vacation. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> i got to try that once in a while. It doesn't work with you here for 24 hours. Um, not to get too political or too you know, uh, general about the whole situation in, in regard to the difference between New York and Florida, but we have certain impressions. I'm a New Yorker. I'm a Manhattanite, and we have certain impressions about the way things work in the city and state up there. Uh, do you, as a as a newcomer here, feel a difference in that regard in terms of how government has dealt with this whole situation where it really doesn't apply to you and your family that much? Well, there's no COVID here, right? <laughs> That's what they say. Um, in New York, everyone was very uptight about COVID. We couldn't get out, go outside without a mask. It was very suffocating. Here we come, first weekend, we had 30 kids in our backyard. Um, so I feel like the government's very loose in that regard. but. Not loose in a bad way, right. very reasonably right. loose. So responsible, but only as responsible as they need to be. Correct. Well, that's a good thing, to say the least. Uh, have you met people who've come since you got here? I have. That must be an interesting feeling that they get here and you're already the veteran. I'm welcoming them, yes. <laughs> right, you're part of the welcoming yes. committee. Uh, and tell me about this shul that we're in, because I already introduced it as a historic shul, but you and I are relatively unfamiliar with it compared to some of the people here. What, what can you tell me about this shul specifically? Well, when we moved here, I knew one family, and that one family davened at a shtibel. So my husband came to the shtibel, and that's where he davened. I didn't go to shul. I miss going to shul. A few months after we moved in, we received a tray of chocolates from Beth Israel. They didn't know me, I didn't know them, but I was very touched. Fast forward, my daughter became very close with a girl who davened at the shul. So when my husband would go to the shtibel, he would bring her to the groups here, nice. and then he would pick her up. One day he said, you know what, I'm coming with you. I came, my first Shabbos, there was this big bar mitzvah, super festive, super fun and warm and lovely. 
And I said, I'm coming here next week. And from that point on, I've come every Shabbos. Very nice. Beth Israel did a great job. Their welcoming committee gets kudos, to say the least. Uh, Faye Rabinovich, a newcomer with her family to Miami. Anything else you'd like to add about all this? I'm just really happy to be here. Well, it's a m- nice meeting you and uh, continue to enjoy not your stay or your vacation, but your permanent residence, it seems, down here in Miami Beach. Thank you. JM and the AM as we continue to broadcast here on a Tuesday morning. We are actually here on a Monday night, believe it or not. That's how it works sometimes. You come here on a Monday night to Florida, and you end up uh, recording a Tuesday morning broadcast. I want to thank Paya Capital. Paya Capital is the outfit that's responsible for uh, sponsorship of this show, and we'll find out more about them and their involvement with the community coming up right here at JM in the AM. Uh, more coming up is right with plenty of guests, including Ryan Bixen, who's going to join us at the top of the hour. We've known him for a long time, but we finally have united, not even reunited, but united together down here in Miami Beach. We'll speak with him and uh, speak to many other guests coming up right here at JM in the AM.
You know what they say, how much Jacob Schwecki can you get into the first hour of a show from Florida? So far, that's two, believe it or not, um, here at JM in the AM. Don't forget, tomorrow we're at the Hebrew Academy. Tomorrow we're at the Hebrew Academy for the uh, Wednesday morning JM in the AM. That's right, tomorrow at the Hebrew Academy for the Wednesday morning JM in the AM. Now, I have here, and I want to thank uh, Rabbi Bixen and the Shirley Meyer. Uh, Shirley Meyer's here, by the way. I forgot to mention him on my list of... Uh, VIP. Everyone's a VIP, but I mean, you know, when Shirley walks in, he's a VVIP, as they say, so I got to mention him. Anyway, uh, so Shirley's here, and he, he and Ray Bixen reminded me that uh, there is a, a young man who um, has already made an impact in the world of Jewish music at a young age, who grew up in this shul, who was bar mitzvahed in this shul, right? If I'm getting any of this wrong, you got to tell me who grew up in this, uh, in this, um, in this shul, who was bar mitzvah in this shul, and now is out with a selection entitled V'Amar Bayom Hahu, and his name is Akiva Shechter. Do we have the song for you? We certainly do, dedicating it to the Beth Israel congregation on a Tuesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Akiva Schechter, a song called Va'amar Bayamahu from Project Productions. And, of course, Shirley Meyer, as you would suspect, always behind the scenes when it comes to a great brand new artist. I'm sorry? And Yoichi Briskman, of course, Project Productions, right? Yoichi Briskman involved, obviously, as a producer on the, uh, on the album, or I should say on the single. Akiva Schechter, Va'amar Bayamahu, you can check it out on YouTube in addition to all the other places that you know how it is today it's 2021 there's probably 35 places you could find brand new music uh so check it out michelle saka is that the right pronunciation yeah. michelle saka is here michelle saka has many distinguished uh, many distinctions i should say including on instagram we're about to read this is a big reveal there's a big <laughs> reveal how is michelle related to instagram why would she be someone familiar to a regular instagram user and the answer is, listen carefully, everybody, especially you social media people. The answer is Miami Food Yenta. Miami Food Yenta. Let's have a round of applause for the Miami Food Yenta. Thank Come you. on. Thank you. She's uh, proud to be a Yenta. I am proud to I've be a I've had experiences with Yenta. Not all Yentas, not all of them are proud to uh, have that uh, title, but it seems like you're telling the world that you're a Miami Food I, Yenta. I'm telling the world. I know when to Yenta and when not to Yenta. Uh, that's the key. Yes. And you got to know when to be a Yenta and when not to be a Yenta. Exactly. <laughs> I can keep a secret when I need to. Ah, interesting. So the uh, the secret is safe with you. It won't spread around <laughs> when, it, when others, unfortunately, the professional Yenta. Is we'll make sure to spread that word. That's not that's not you. No, when the Got timing it. is right. Okay. When um, so I like to spread the word about the food, the kosher food scene here in South Florida. I am going to. Well, the truth is, people are going to think I'm doing this because I'm in Florida. <laughs> but it's no joke. And this this conversation has come up at my table, uh, my Shabbos table at home. It has come up in our studio at work. We have uh, concluded over the last five, six, seven years that the kosher food capital certainly of the united states i don't want to say the world because i don't like uh, putting anything ahead of israel but certainly the united states and again you can make the argument what do you mean new york los angeles larger crowds bigger people nicer restaurants all that stuff i think we've concluded the kosher food capital of the world is miami how do you like I, that you know i'm gonna have to agree with you on that how do you like that how do you like that can you imagine and now if if in fact miami is number one 
And we have the Miami food yenta. We have the number one yenta when it comes to kosher food. How do you like that? <laughs> thank you. Thank anyway, you. All right. Now that your introduction's finished with, <laughs> how, do, how does one start an Instagram account, Miami food yenta? What type of information do you need? What does your expertise, uh, what, what's involved with your expertise when it comes to being a Miami food yenta? Being able to order the entire menu, take one bite, and analyze it to see if it's good or not and why do people take your word for it is because you've proven your recommendations have been proven to be correct because yes that's it (laughs) you recommend and all of a sudden people are flocking to the places and getting the dishes that you're recommending listen i you know i try to give an honest reporting of the restaurants um i learned from the expert um you know i've worked with alan cornbloom and naomi nachman right um you've been on our on on our table for two programs absolutely i've been on a few times you know with naomi yeah naomi's you know called me about different items that were uh, restaurants that were um opening and different things that were happening in miami so i have to give her the 411. Actually, she's the one who coined my name, Miami Food Yenta. How do you like that? Yeah. Yeah. What you learn when you come down to Florida. My <laughs> gosh. It's incredible. What a wealth of information this no, place we, is. No, we were sitting at brunch, and um, she asked me what was going on, and I told her everything that was going on at all the different restaurants, and she's like, you're like the Miami food yenta, huh? and there you go. So, what did yeah, you have at that me. brunch? What was the what was the <laughs> fare that you were testing out during that brunch? Pancakes. That's what it was? Pancakes. And have you recommended those pancakes? Anybody? Of course. You have. Yes, 100%. So now, I mean, it would be unfair. I would, and I'm not 100% familiar with how your Instagram account works so it might be unfair for me to ask so what is the best restaurant in florida or in miami what is the you know if i'm if i'm here for a few hours and i want to get one dish enjoy one course at one place where should i go i don't know if it's fair to ask you that question you could ask me that question i could answer that question i don't know if you want to know the answer to that question why wouldn't i (laughs) so uh right now my favorite restaurant in all miami is street kitchen wow and where do i find that how far is that from here that's in surfside unfortunately they are closed right now because uh their grease trap had a collapse and they have um um like they have to do some construction. Wow, and I'm glad you brought this up, by the way, because we're in Florida, and a lot of people who heard that we were coming figured that we were coming because of the still in the aftermath of what happened in Surfside. But we should point out, and I'm glad you mentioned this, that that everybody, whether it's this shul, this community, the entire state's Jewish community, and obviously the Jewish people worldwide, are still in pain in the oh, aftermath absolutely. of what happened in Surfside. And and you're saying that on a practical level, obviously those families that were directly affected, we don't have to even mention what they're going through. But on a practical level. There are businesses and others that are still, you know, trying to rebound in the aftermath. Oh, of absolutely! All that. I mean, it was absolutely devastating yeah. for the community. And you know, Rabbi Bixen was great. Um, he offered to do a drop-off location, so the restaurants, because you couldn't get into Surfside at the time, right. and so coming off of Corona, these restaurants had weren't making money for a really long time. And, you know, now all of a sudden they're not making any money again because you couldn't get the Ubers in. You couldn't right. get anybody in. So Rabbi Bixen called me and he's like, hey, Michelle, tell the restaurants if they want to do a drop off for dinner, they can use Beth Israel and, you know, they can, you know, still serve everybody and make some money. Right. And like you said, very similar to what was going on during the height of COVID when people would be, you know, well, bringing... that's how I actually really blew up was during COVID, believe it or not. Because oh, people the... wanted to know where to order from. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, the restaurant owners were, are, you know, my friends and... I would not let them go under. I mean, these are my friends' businesses, and I love them dearly. And truthfully, I'm a little selfish. I don't want to have one dairy place and one meat place. I want to have options when I want to go out and eat. So I started a WhatsApp group, and we have over 1,000 people in it. And every day, I I would send out a deal and discount to the different restaurants. And I'd work closely with them to help them. And thank God, 
almost everyone made it through. Yeah, and I know that, uh, I mean, this is the case, obviously, in New York and New Jersey as well, which is our home base, that uh, a lot of places took tremendous advantage. Absolutely. And I say that in the nicest way possible of the generosity of the community and really reached out to try and deliver hundreds of meals uh, that were obviously ordered and paid oh, for. Oh, yeah, but places. I mean, don't even get me started on with the collapse of what the restaurants oh, were no, no, doing. I, no, I was, I know what you're referring to, yeah. yes, but I'm saying that, that people would be, uh, you know, would go ahead, and people like Elon that you mentioned oh, and others yeah. would do what you were doing. Uh, they were doing it up north in terms of just arranging for people to be able to, you know, um, offer what they have to offer to different communities and deliver that night. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody was doing it. Yeah, the generosity Klein, in terms yeah. of the immediate aftermath, aftermath of Surfside, Listen. I can't even begin to fathom what was going on I down mean, here. Listen, I mean, I'm a yenta, but yeah. I'm also a Jewish mother. There you go. And I need to feed people, okay? That's how I get through my day. I need to make sure you are fed. <laughs> That's it. You're not leaving hungry. Nobody's going hungry. So your message is shop local, huh? And shop, <laughs> and shop often. <laughs> yes, exactly. Shop local, shop often, and keep eating at all the great but restaurants. I will, I will tell you, I am a transplant from Jersey. Oh, what city in Jersey? Uh, I'm actually from Edison. Oh, they were known for a couple of nice restaurants over uh, the years. Yes, yeah. yes, they were. And I've been here for, oh my gosh, actually, I think it's my anniversary next week. How many years? years? 14 years. Yeah, 14 and what can you tell us? Since we're here, and one of the reasons we're here is to remind everybody just how amazing this community is. Whenever we travel, that's what we do. We tell people back, you know, wherever they're listening about the different places we visit. What can you tell people about the last 14 years? I couldn't have been happier. It's amazing. Actually, my husband's like, I'm moving you to Miami. You're going to live on the ocean. I don't even need to take you on honeymoon. Okay. He's like, it's 14 so years not, later, you're still on your honeymoon. So you're another one who looks at it as a vacation down oh, here. Oh, yeah, always. But um, it, it's really nice. Like, my husband's family grew up in this one area. Beth Israel was the shul his mm. grandparents went to. Oh, and boy. for years, they've been going here. And now it's nice. You know, I have my kids here, and my kids love Rabbi Garfinkel, who does um, the youth groups. He's right. tremendous, 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 like, influence on them. And, you know, he's so great. Like, if my son ever has questions, you know, he lets them call him up and whatever, and I'm always calling Rabbi Bixen with Kashrut Corrections. <laughs> All right. Final question. Yeah. Anything opening in the next few weeks down here? Oh, just opened last week, Asiatico. How far, is, how far is that from here? Aventura. Let me tell you something. And what's their specialty? What's their menu? It's a Japanese menu, but this restaurant is going to change the scene of kosher. This is like a non-kosher restaurant. Let me tell you, with the ambiance, the small plates, the menu, this is the place to be. This is where the marriage proposals are going to be. This is where you take your business clientele. This is going to be the hotspot. You have to give them a few weeks to get the service down because they just opened. This is where everybody needs a reservation. And they know the whole kosher routine. There, you know who it's by? It's the owners of Koch, Rustico, and Fresco. Well, there you go. They, so they, they know, know what the they're routine. doing. But this place is spectacular. Make your reservations now. I'm telling you people, this is going to be the next hot spot. Michelle Saka is, that's pronounced right. Yeah. Is Miami Food Yenta. Yenta, by the way, spelled with two E's, correct? Or, or is no, Y-E-N-T-A. Y-E-N-T-A. Yeah. One E and one A. Uh-huh. So Miami Food Yenta. Miami you can find Food me on Yenta. Instagram, on, on Facebook, Instagram. on WhatsApp. Any other social media places? We're working those, on a few other things. Those are the I'm, three main ones. I'm actually beginning to work with Discover Jewish Florida, which is a website. It's going to be like your resource guide of like where to go, Zmanim, everything you need to know about coming to Florida. Wow. 
So you do want to attract even more people. I thought you for guys. Vacation. I thought you guys were sold out down here. Like there's, for- no, there's no room for anybody else. That's it. <laughs> I thank you for joining us. <laughs> and, thank you so much for having and me. Continue your wonderful work on behalf of the Jewish world. Obviously, I will keep what eating. is more what is more important than working toward feeding people some <laughs> I, good kosher food? I will keep I will keep eating. So uh, you know what's good. Miami food yenta. I've got to follow her on Instagram immediately. It's America. Oh, we don't up to the idea. More coming up. Uh, Rabbi Bixen's going to join us coming up at the top of the seven o'clock hour and we will uh, uh, speak with him and uh, and many other wonderful guests all happening here on a Tuesday morning broadcast we're at Beth Israel Congregation in Miami Beach we are visiting Florida we're doing what a half of America has been doing for the last year and a half we're here in Florida half the country practically moved to this state all right we're only here for a couple of days but I mean that we're doing what everybody else is doing we're following the trend and also, when listener Cena does something, everyone seems to follow. Where is she? Oh, there she is. Everyone seems to follow. She just got back to Florida this morning, so we followed. We came, we came on down to join her. More coming up in JM and the AM.
JM in the AM is is our number one already finished? What is going on here? Is that possible? The first hour that we're in Florida that's already gone. Wow, the people in Beth Israel congregation are so hospitable that time flies when you visit with them. It's amazing. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course, <laughs> on the beloved NSN app. The spiritual leader of the Beth Israel Congregation, the historic Beth Israel Congregation of Miami Beach, Florida, is Rabbi Donald Bixen. Rabbi Bixen, first of all, thank you for hosting us, and secondly, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you for coming. A pleasure. Great this to is, finally be here. This is my dream come true. How many years have we been talking about this? I seriously think we've been speaking about this for some time between 10 and 15 years. Is that too long? Is it too much? How long has I been in Camp Masora? Camp Masora, we came to Camp What was the first year you got to Camp Masora? 2010. All right. So we've been talking about this for a little over 10 years. Yeah. About us getting down here and doing a show literally from Beth Israel Congregation. When did you start your tenure here? So I came to my beach in 1997. I was in the Young Israel Miami Beach. David Abramowitz hired me, the oh. gentleman over there. His father told me not to listen to him. That's when his father became my Rebbe. <laughs> and then, true story, right? And then in 2010, we merged the two congregations, Young Israel cool. My Beach and Beth Israel Congregation. So we, uh, we created this united front. Now, just for some context, because once we announced we were coming here, a lot has been happening off the air. <laughs> I mean, what, how, wait, are you talking about Miriam talking to me every day? No, no, no. That besides still stays, that. That's still part of the contract, right? Yeah, that's, Miriam, besides okay, so sure. that, I know there's a lot of contact between you and your office and uh, our office. I get that. But the number of people who call to tell me either about people you're related to or people from your past who remember you from here or there. And by the way, at, at my age, I just don't remember any of the, these details. But what I do remember is that people had to point out where you served as rabbi up north. Because I, did, I forgot you were in West Orange, New Jersey, right? West Orange, correct. Uh, beautiful congregation. Amazing and, congregation. And were there other stops in that area as well? I was in Fairlawn. I did my uh, internship with Rabbi Yudin. Wow. She live and be well. And Rabbi Yudin, of course, part of this show for many decades. Of course. And wow. uh, Rabbi Marcus in West Orange. Right. But, you know, my Rebbe Movok is Mark Zama. <laughs> He's your Rebbe Bullock. Uh, I won, he didn't tell you? I won Rookie of the Year, DJ Rookie yes! of the Year. So, yes! Yeah, so I, I tell you, that's why I forget everything. Of course he contacted <laughs> me. Rookie of the Year at WIUR. I am humbled sitting with an award-winning broadcaster. I am humbled. Did he tell you the name of the show? What was the show? Adaraba, Classic Rock. <laughs> that was, that, that that was, was the, the name of the that show. That was the name of my show, I Adaraba. Like what night did it air? Do you remember? Sunday nights, 9, 9, Sunday nights, 9 p.m. with... Ray Barashansky. I remember Ray Barashansky. And Sunday nights, you know what they call that in radio, right? Like the prime time, right? Well, not exactly. Because <laughs> that's, what, that's what Mark Zomick said. <laughs> so, sort, of like we gotta, sort of like we got to keep the station on the air late Sunday night. You want to do a show, that type of thing. But all right, I'm not, you know, still your rookie of the year. Who could, yeah, who right, could question exactly. that? All right, so anyway, you, therefore, with your past that you just described and your recent past and present that you're enjoying in Florida can really give us a perspective on what it's like moving here and being here compared to other parts of the country. Because, right, Bixon, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if, you, I don't know if they've spoken about this here in Florida. But half the country is either moving to Florida or wants to move to Florida. Are you aware of that? I see that, like, I you can no longer park my car in any parking lot. That's right. So, therefore, um, you know, I'm picking that up. It used to be that was only Pesach time. Now it's year-round. So, like, you know, in camp we used to do, you know, uh, Purim in July. Right. So now it's Pesach all year. 
But uh, it's been an amazing experience. There's no better place than Miami Beach. This is the, uh, the epicenter of Florida because there's so much that goes on here. It's always been a hub of activity. It's always been a tremendous amount of diversity. I know Faye said there's too many shuls, but that you know sometimes is a weakness, but it's been a strength. Uh, thank God all the shuls get along. There's been a, always a working relationship with all the different rabbis. It's a great place uh, to live. It's a little bit on the pricey side, which sometimes you know creates a, a problem for us. And I guess getting pricier now because of the situation. I, I, I guess, I guess so. I guess so. I'd have been, I mean, I'm not leaving, so I didn't really look to see what my house <laughs> is worth. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm staying put. But uh, it's a, has it become um, habitual for people to discuss what their house is oh, worth? Yeah, <laughs> it's, but it's always kind of been like that way. Meaning, when I moved here, uh, you know, that's when prices started climbing up. And then, uh, so it's always a topic of what can I get for my house? Or did you hear what he got for his house? Right. He got that for his house? Please. That's, you know, so that I is, get double that, that. That's common. But it's, it's a great place to live because there's just so much going on here. It's a great community. Um, yeah, culturally, uh, religiously, there's a kololim, there's yeshivos. So, you know, you really luck out this pizza store. Yeah, that's most important. That's you need to start a community. Exactly. Exactly. Mikvah. 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 And a mikvah, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, Rabbi Donald Bixon with us, of course, spiritual leader here at Beth Israel Congregation in Miami Beach. Uh, you you hinted to something that I think is so vital, and if we're in this building, I, I think it's a pr- it's appropriate that we speak about it in this forum. After all, when else is better than a visit here to the shul? Um, there are communities around the United States that have become not only a hub or an epicenter, and shuls have not only become a hub and epicenter of their own com- neighborhoods and communities, but have become very involved in world causes, imper- important world causes. And I think this community, if you look at those communities around the United States that have been involved in causes having to do with Israel, and in the old days, Soviet jury, and certainly when it comes to you know feeding the needy and being there for people around the country who are uh, raising money for important causes, I believe this is one of those communities that has gone ahead and uh, and reached out to many other causes and places, and not and has not been insular that you know which some communities unfortunately are. Look, we're a modern Orthodox synagogue, and I think by definition we are. We think beyond just the, uh, the platform in which we're sitting in. We see the needs of our, our community, and we see the needs beyond our community. So when it's been fundraising for Yehuda Shamron, mm-hmm. whether it's been sending money when there was a catastrophe in places other than in Florida, we know what it's like to survive a hurricane, thank God. Other places weren't as lucky. We've done it for Jewish communities. We've done it for non-Jewish communities. And as we see that our role here is to be in South Florida not just the light to the nation, but a light to the nations. 100%. And that's, we've, we've worked hard to try to see beyond just ourselves. Right, but you need real leadership. And I'm not just talking about the rabbis. I'm talking about you need congregants and members of the community that want to play that role and that go out of their way to you know get involved with organizations and presidium that deal with situations like that. 100%. If it's, if it's not congregant-driven, then it's not going to happen. Right. So people in my congregation and uh, over the years have really inspired me to try to see beyond just where I'm looking, who I'm looking at Shabbos morning, but to be able to see the broader community and uh, the needs of people beyond our South Florida community. So. Rabbi Bixen, uh, l- let's do the lighter side of the difficult situations. Uh, unfortunately, I would like to visit with you uh, about you know recent events down here. On the lighter side, you just mentioned the hurricanes. I, I would think that that would keep people <laughs> that that whole fear and that whole you know all, all the things that people need to deal with when when hurricanes are imminent and they seem to only be increasing would keep people away from this area. But I've, I've obviously one of the reasons we're here, uh, all it's done or, or all that you 
you've enjoyed is more and more population. Why don't those natural disasters play more of a role in keeping people away? Tell Cause, me. Because <laughs> I don't think anyone understands what it's like until you're here. It's, it, oh, it's like in New York when, the, when it, uh, there's going to be a blizzard. And, you know, that drama music right. comes on on every station and they panic you. But blizzards don't that's make you think you might lose your home. Right. So that's what happens here. There's usually like drama, drama, drama. And then everyone, you know, turns away and all of a sudden there's a hurricane. So that's the, but listen, look what just happened in New Jersey uh, a couple of weeks ago. The Unfortunately, right. I have dear friends that, right. you know, lost an entire lower level. Understood. So it's, But you know, here it's like that by it, reputation. But people are seeing We're it's actually happening. sitting here arguing about right. the weather. I love right, this. Right, right. <laughs> well, because... I control the weather because I have that I have that app on my phone. So that's the, but uh, you know the I, I think that people are seeing it's happening all over the place, and actually we're better prepared for it than any other place. Right, but still it's a challenge. It is. It's not easy. It is. Um, earlier we spoke about Surfside, and I'm I'm so glad you're here for me to ask you this question. Do you think those outside of Florida understand? I mean, you must have gotten tremendous reaction from from communities way outside of this region. Did, did we grasp what was going on here? Did we feel the collective Jewish heart? Did we feel the pain that was happening here? Very much so. I mean, colleagues, uh, a rehearsal billet reached out to me from Israel, wanted to make sure we were okay. Did it affect anyone? Do we need any help? Um, colleagues from all over the country were reaching out, you know, I don't want to say fortunately, but thankfully, uh, with the exception of one congregant, actually, uh, Kiva Schachter's aunt, unfortunately, lost her apartment thank god she didn't lose her life but uh she was able to get out and it's a uh, a very scary story so that was really one of the few people in our that were connected right, to directly. our congregation but we have friends within the community who unfortunately had parents and grandparents and uh, friends and uh, siblings who lost their life and i know we're still in the aftershock or aftermath and it's still relatively immediate is that area going to be able to rebuild are there plans to to get it going again as an area, as a neighborhood? I, I'm sure there are. I'm not privy to that. That's a, a separate area. But uh, the Shul about Harbor was just unbelievable. Right. And really, you, uh, the ability for people to overcome at all will be because of the Shul about Harbor. Talk about an epicenter of activity, huh? Not just the epicenter of activity, epicenter of spirituality, an epicenter of community, an epicenter of outreach and inreach. They were phenomenal, beyond phenomenal. What is it about our people that so often we're able to, you know, stay very high in a spiritual level when so much physical disaster is going around, going on around us? So that's, you know, our, our ability to adapt in calamity when, you know, chaos is amazing. I wish that would carry over to when everything is in a moment of calm. Right? And not always the case? Not always the case. When, when there's tragedy, we work together. I think our lesson, I think this should be the lesson of, you know, the building collapse or the lesson of COVID is that we have to learn to work together even when there's no calamity, even right. when there's no chaos. And that's really when our, uh, that should be when our strength really comes out. So uh, that's what uh, I think we should be looking for. What did you think of the uh, way this COVID situation was handled down here? Because as you know, being a New Yorker, we've been told that it was handled differently than we're, where we are from. So I think in the Miami Beach community, I think it was handled perfectly. Uh, I think one of your uh, people coming up is Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Dr. Ari Cement. Right. Uh, but uh, Ari Cement is uh, Ari Cement, Gershon Fink, two of the doctors in the community. They saw early what was going on. And um, it's because of them that I think, unfortunately, 
again, loss of any life, we only lost one congregant to COVID. It's because of these doctors that, you know, kept calling me and calling me and really thank God for WhatsApp because I saw clearly what was going on in the rabbinic chats up north and around the country. So we shut down right after Purim and we stayed shut down until just after Shavuos. And I believe that our leadership in the community caused other institutions to shut down. Uh, we were the first and we had a very strong voice and that uh, stopped the, the spread gave the ability for the hospitals to kind of get a little bit of a balance in terms of how to treat this uh, this virus and what their protocol should be. So I think that um, the way we handled it was with the direction of our doctors and the direction of Gedolei Torah, like Roshach Shlita. So I think that, that that created the ability for us to survive. And how would you describe the last few months? Summer, Yamim Narayim, today? This well, week, how would Yom you and describe? Yom were, were amazing, because we have to give a special shout-out to Miriam Wallach, who uh, brought us Ohad. Without Miriam, that never would happen. It was a transformative experience. I know, you know, just working with you is her olam haba, but, you know, she, I think she got a special schluss. <laughs> you may be right schluss, on that. Right, got a special schluss in bringing Ohad to Miami Beach. There was a, a moment of literally the ability for Mashiach to come, where not only did no one complain, but everyone almost stood up with a standing ovation. You didn't get one complaint? Not one complaint. Not wow. one complaint. I may have to get to the movie here. Not just not one complaint. <laughs> it was that people were so amazed by Ohad. They thought he was so fantastic. Nice. They thought he was so unbelievably special. His issues, his personality, just blew everyone away. The people wasn't just no complaint. They could not stop complimenting, and were, they were never been prouder. So coming it was off, transformative. Transformative. So coming off of that season, are we at full strength now? We're getting there. We're getting, we're getting back there. to full strength. We're getting back to full strength. Our youth programming was always at full strength. We did ways of doing it, right. you know, virtually and non-virtually, you know, in a, in a safe manner uh, under doctor uh, regulations. But we're we're returning to full strength where the steam is picking up. We have great people in the show. My president is probably the best of the best. Can say that now because he's not here yet. You're interviewing him yet later, <laughs> but he's literally. I think a, he a said concept. his rabbi is the best of the best. No, also, that's just too. That could be. But uh, but Abraham Galbert is amazing, and he's been you know uh, the the force of. Uh, of, of making sure things go smoothly. Oh, he is here. Okay. So, uh, they, so he's there. But Yechil uh, Cement, uh, Ari's uh, first cousin, has been amazing in terms of making sure, and his wife Alexis, and making sure that we're going to start again with more programs. We have been having more programs and more educational programs, programs for, for women, programs for men, multitude of things going on. Our youth director has always been the best, so we're really uh, we're moving in the right direction, and we're almost at full steam ahead. You're rolling, to say we're the rolling. least. We just got to get the 8 o'clock minion back. We have the 7 a.m. minion back in place. We got to get the 8 a.m. minion back in place, the daily minion, and then we're, uh, we're, 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 we're cruising. Rabbi Bixen, can you help me thank the people at Paya Capital, please? Paya Capital is amazing. They're an amazing bunch of guys. I appreciate the fact that they also relocated. They were kind of really based in New York. Huh. A few of them had, one of them had been living here already, and then uh, during COVID, he brought the whole team down. Did they get a welcome up. basket? They <laughs> did get not get a welcome basket. They individually got a welcome basket, but they, they got invited to my house. It was even better. There you go. But the, uh, that's, uh, but uh, Paya Capital is an amazing bunch of guys, and I appreciate their uh, support and uh, helping us uh, bring you here to fulfill my dream of having Nachum Siegel here in my shul. 
And, and do you have regards for me from anybody up in Guilford, New York? Have you I spoken have to folks in Guilford at all? Well, well, you know, the entire maintenance staff is uh, <laughs> They're all, all waiting. Co, can't <laughs> wait for you to come back. But, of course, you know, the most important man in Guilford, New York, the man who made me the Mara Asra of Guilford, Norwich, and Oxford, Ari Katz. Of wow, course, of yeah. course. I hope he's listening right now. I hope he's listening. Does he not, well, not listen? I would think he always listens. I'm sure he does. And one of the best decisions he ever made, making, the, making you the chief rabbi of Guilford. Exactly. That was actually a great relationship. You know, we started off, I was on clinical staff, right, was programming, sure. and then we elevated, and we became uh, best friends. Yeah, I mean, and, really, and most uh, importantly, you were the Rav HaMachshir for Hafiz, which yeah, that is, is probably know, most important. obviously special, the most important. Special shout-out to Jerry. Uh, special shout-out to, to Jerry. Jerry. And right. wait a second, is, is the Yenta still here? We should let her know. Oh, the, yeah, right. We, we should let her know we the best kosher food, the right. best kosher food in Guilford. But or actually, it's Oxford, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And Oxford, New York, is Hoppies, of course. And they're famous because they were, when we were first there that first summer, yeah. They were interviewed by PBS because they had the original owners of Hoppies knew the Wieners from Allentown, Pennsylvania, Rena Toroff's uh, sister. Oh, is that because hilarious? Because Mrs. Hoppy or it was the, uh, they taught in the day school, and Mr. Hoppy did whatever he did there. They retired to Oxford, everyone's dream, <laughs> and um, they opened up an ice cream store. But their paraphernalia, a lot of the stuff that they had there were these antique ice cream thing. So they were in a documentary. If you look it up, there's an ice cream documentary. They have great decor. Which my son, Benjamin, is sitting on the counter and uh, many, many moons ago. And no wonder you're thanking Ari Katz the way, way you are. Of course. <laughs> I owe everything to Ari Katz. <laughs> Thank you, Captain Sora. <laughs> how many summers has it been? You, 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 not, you well, have now not you know now officially Rabbi Emeritus of Camp Masora. Oh, that's yeah, how it works? Yeah, check on the website. It's <laughs> that's how it works. It's only like two years that you're not there, right? Yeah, it's only right. All right anyway. I retired out the summer before COVID. I, I hope it's going well, the, the transition God. to regular uh, rabbinic life I'm in sure, Florida. But, oh, for me, transition for me or them? No, for, for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm much more concerned about you, <laughs> to be honest. Anyway, thank you for welcoming us here. We'll thank speak you for again being here. Later it's amazing. On. Unbelievable. Thank Rabbi you so Donald Mixon, the spiritual leader of the Beth Israel Congregation here in uh, Miami Beach, Miami Beach, Florida. Can you imagine? Pretty amazing. And I'll save something for uh, later in the show. Rabbi Mixon's going to join us again, talk a little bit about the history of this shul uh, coming up here at JM in the AM. <laughs> Shem Shamai, Kmosufa, Minayam, Kmotofa, Shemiriam, Poem, Ventrufa, Bolam, Lalem. 
Yishai Rebo, of course. Tuesday morning broadcast here at JMD. I want to thank our friends at A&H. I bet the A&H is available down here in Florida. Like It's available all across the country. Uh, one of our amazing sponsors, those of you who want to enjoy a 10% discount with promo code radio, go to kosherdogs.net. Go to kosherdogs.net and try A&H today. You'll enjoy some amazing uh, hot dogs and deli and pastrami and corned beef and all the things I love. Thanks to our friends at Abels and Hyman. Also, a big thank you to our friends at Gaia Coffee, G-A-I-A Coffee.com, G-A-I-A Coffee.com. We can enjoy a fresh brewed cup of coffee just by tossing one of their brew bags into a hot boiling cup of water. Simple as that. It's really easy. It's really delicious. And we I recommend you check out their starter kit and enjoy a 10%, excuse me, a 15% discount with promo code radio. Go to GaiaCoffee.com, G-A-I-A Coffee.com for all the information. Tuesday on this October the 12th, the 6th of Marrakesh. I wanted to mention, by the way, that um, where are my notes? They're somewhere here. I wanted to mention that uh, every year we announce this. And I actually want to thank our friends at the Jewish Press for reminding me every year about this. Um, somebody who I knew relatively well and I think will make a... Uh, by the way, I want to say hi to Rabbi Levy Cash. He and I know he's here. He's here. I wanted to give him a shout-out earlier, and I forgot, but I didn't forget now. Um, he and I know each other longer than either of us care to admit. <laughs> and he's here now in Florida, and I say good morning, as we always say at JM in the AM, 
to him and all of our wonderful listeners. Anyway, so um, Rabbi Rosenberger, who basically spent his entire life on the mitzvah of shotness, he asked that people, because he spent so much time on the mitzvah of shotness and making sure that shotness labs we set up all around the country and the world, he asked that people uh, say to Hillam and learn Mishnayis for him on his yard site since he didn't have enough time to study Torah, which I always thought was a beautiful thing. Uh, to do in his memory. So on these, uh, on his 25th yard site, which is tomorrow night, excuse me, which is tonight, Tuesday night, on his 25th yard site, which is tonight, Tuesday night, the 7th of Cheshvan, please keep in mind, Yosef ben Moshe Halevi, that's Moshe, Yosef ben Moshe Halevi. The amazing Srilly Meyer is with us. He is, uh, I don't know, do we call you a transplant to Florida? Do we call you a... Uh, like a re- Repatriated Floridian. Not sure how to... Uh, refer to you exactly, but Srilly has been involved in a whole bunch of stuff over the years and has been with us in terms of promoting Jewish music and being involved in the Jewish music scene for decades. It's been an absolute pleasure to work with him all these years. We, we decades? Sort decades, <laughs> no, I think so. Too many years. We sort of reunited or got more involved together uh, during a couple of recent things. Uh, one was a Jewish music-related matter, and the other one was uh, what was going on on social media when it seemed that uh, everybody and anybody who loved spooing anti-Semitism oh my gosh, got onto right. social media, and you, thank God, were among the very few, unfortunately, but the very effective people that were trying everything in your power to set up a blockade or at least do something effective in social media to stem the tide of social media anti-Semitism. And we're the, still doing that. And you're still doing it. And yeah. you have to, you have to, that's never going to end, by the way. It just happened to me actually yesterday. I posted a TikTok of a video response to a comedian who had a Netflix special who said something that wasn't so awesome. And um, I, wrote a t- I made a TikTok about it, and right away all the comments right away started flooding in from everywhere. And then I, my video got taken down for a hate speech. <laughs> My video that was saying, hey, don't do that. It's not nice. Right. <laughs> that seems to be the trend. But it's just like I told you that time when we were speaking, it's just the algorithm. So many of those people are just bashing like the report button. Right. So I appealed right away and it was restored right away. And, but, um, and, and for those who are drifting into the area of social media, they, and they usually start with Facebook, Twitter, maybe some Instagram, and then go into TikTok and others, they have to realize that, they're, that it, until they get to the point that you're at, until they start really, you know, being inundated with the TikTok videos, that they don't even realize how bad the scene is out there. I know Twitter can be bad, and obviously has to be, you know, the battle has to be fought on every front. But until you really are drowning in social media, like someone yeah. like yourself is, you don't realize what's going on. Well, out there. it could feel personal, but I mean, I guess it technically is personal. But right. it's really just an organized group of people that don't really care about you or what you're saying or even watching what you're saying. I mean, one of the things I said is, you know, I mean, I'm supposed to be outraged, but I'm not outraged. I'm just disappointed. And one of the comments was, oh, you're outraged? I said, if you're going <laughs> to leave a comment, at least watch the video. I mean, maybe. <laughs> Accuracy would be yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's for sure. All right. So now tell us about Florida. It took us a long time to get down here. We have visited so many different states with this radio broadcast. We've been to Georgia. We've been to Pennsylvania. We've been, obviously, to New York and New Jersey. We've been to... I'm trying to think. Where else have we been? Has Naomi gone to more states than you? Oh, I would think she has. She's almost got all, all of them. No? She's got... Yeah, are you kidding? I, I'm, I'm a, uh, a rookie when it comes to, uh, to state hopping. That's right. Uh, and then there's the whole discussion about whether we count airports or not. That's a whole other conversation. Airports don't count. Yeah, they don't Sorry. count. It, they otherwise, don't. I had a great time in Switzerland. <laughs> if they don't count, then I'm in big trouble. But anyway, so uh, we finally made it here to Florida. What is the attraction? 
question. Surely, can you capsulize for us why so many people are doing what you wish they wouldn't do, moving to Florida? <laughs> Secrets out. <laughs> um, well, as an original Miami Beacher, actually, I was born in South Miami in Kendall, um, and my mother was born in South Miami also, so I'm like second generation Floridian, and some of my uh, siblings have third generation kids, because when I got married, I lived in Crown Heights, so my children are right. New Yorkers, but uh, nothing I can do about that now. Right. Um, but I lived here, I grew up here, I actually grew up literally right here. Um, my grandmother lived around the corner on 37th and um, Royal Palm. Oh, you know and the whole scene here. Yes, and my, my house was on 34th and Sheridan, and I grew up there. And um, when I was little, my grandfather used to dive in the shoal. My grandfather dived in three shoals, just uh, to be clear. He said that he's one-third... Um, um, Beth Israel, I guess. <laughs> one third the Hasidish, because he dabbled at the Shtibel, where we grossed the Shtibel, the Karastir Shtibel. And then one third Lubavitch, because he dabbled by the Lubavitch Shul in the base of down the block, which is where I went to Shul when I was little. Um, but when I was little, this community was, you know, smaller, and it was, it did really actually feel like one community, because one of the things I remember most about Beth Israel is that this is where the youth groups were in the afternoon, the Mesiva Shalas, and everyone from the whole entire Miami Beach, all, everyone came here. It didn't matter That's what you cool. looked like. Yeah. I came here every Shabbos afternoon. They had the groups back there. And I'll tell you a very interesting story. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you know this, but B'Shem Hashem, which Benny Friedman, we, sure. we produced that on that album with Avi Newmark, and Mark Levine, who's the composer of that song. <laughs> There's a famous story about that song, which is that um, we had that song, B'Shem Hashem, but we didn't know where it came from. It was just a demo forwarded from a million people. And me and Benny were like, oh my God, we love this song. Well, we couldn't find out where it came from. And um, we had, a, I don't know if you remember, we did a live um, in Chelsea, an unplugged event by the Chelsea Show in New York. And we just said, you know, let's just sing it. Let's just do it. Let's see what happens. Like, we don't know who composed it, but it's a great song. So let's just, you know, go for it. So we sang the song and it was posted on COL Live. And within an hour, we get a very, very angry phone call from Mark Levine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How did you get this song? Where did you get this song? I, I, what's going on here? And he was ready. He was so upset. And I was like, Mark Levine, Mark Levine. How do I know that name? And I said, oh wait, I know Mark from youth groups from Beth Israel growing up here. <laughs> so I reached out to Mark and I explained to him the whole thing. And we were actually coming to Miami for an event, for a Hanukkah event. And I said, let's get together. Let's have dinner at Mexico Bravo, which does not exist. I'm sorry, unfortunately. And uh, we all sat together and we had a great time. And Mark's like, yeah, let's do the song. And he sang on it and his father played on it. And, you know, that was all from Beth Israel. Like, if not for that connection, we would not have gotten that song. <laughs> that I could tell you. It would have had a much different ending, <laughs> yes, that story. With lawyers and I think we actually spoke to Mark during a live lunch. I remember what it was. Was he on the Yes Legacy album, maybe? Was I'm he not 100% it? sure. I don't remember if it was him or not. But anyway, so yeah, yeah so I, I, had be, I had become familiar with that story, but I'm glad so you... So Miami Beach is just really, you know... Yeah, it was, a hub of great activity, yeah, a lot and of wonderful growing people. Growing up here, that's what I'm saying. Like, my grandfather would in the show down here all the time. I used to come here all the time when he would dive in because we dive in there, like literally not even a half a block away. Sometimes I would leave show and just come over and hang out with, you know, see with my grandfather and he was diving here. And it was just like, you know, very warm and uh, just a, you know, my sister's wedding was actually right here. In this, in this building? Yeah. Many, many room? years ago. My sister was right under me. So it was probably, it was probably like at least, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago. I, be I believe the rumor is that after that wedding, they stopped having weddings here. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe that's true. Have I, has there been a wedding here recently? Has there? Oh, sir. 
The tradition continues. Yes. How do you like that? <laughs> anyway, wonderful to see you. Uh, your message is uh, think a uh, hundred times before you decide to move to Florida. Yes. Just make, and, you and want to make sure that Make sure you're not in the flood zone. And if you are, buy the, you, you have to buy the hurricane insurance. Right, you have no yeah. choice. Yeah. That's a thing, right? Of course it's a thing. That's a thing. Why do you think I moved to Hollywood? I don't know. <laughs> West. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I thought I thought you were still in this area. No, I, I know why not to tell you. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's really good speaking to you. You too, Nakam. Thanks so much. And thanks for all your work, by the way. Every All the great material you saw in advance of this show uh, that came out on social media and everywhere else is all done by Strolly. So thank you, Strolly. Thanks a lot, Nakam. Much appreciated. Uh, we're actually going to break for about 60 seconds just to change our, our equipment, and then we're going to continue. Uh, but for those who are listening, uh, I say to you, Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We learn in the Pasuk, Let us examine our ways, and return to Hashem. Even when a person begins to examine their ways, it is already the beginning of returning to Hashem. When a person does tshuva, it causes a new essence. It causes the world to change. In the Talmud and Brachos, we learned that Rabbi Huna had 400 barrels of wine. They fermented. It was a great loss. The Chachamim came to him and they said to him, examine your deeds. He said, am I suspect in your eyes? You think I did something wrong? They said to him, and then, is Hashem suspect in your eyes that you were caused damage without proper reason? So Rav Huna said to them, Did you hear something about me? If you did, then tell me. They told him that they had heard he doesn't give a share of his vines to his sharecropper. Rav Huna said, Does the sharecropper leave over anything for me from all the produce that he grows on my property? He steals it all. So when I deny him his share of the vines, I am merely taking that which he stole from me. They said to him, that's the meaning of what people say. One who steals from a thief has the taste of Geneva, the taste of theft. Although he did not violate a prohibition, it was not proper for someone of his great stature to conduct himself this way. And so right away he was macabre. He accepted upon himself to give the sharecropper his share in the future. Immediately, the loss was restored. Some say that his vinegar turned back into wine. And some say that the price of vinegar rose to the amount that wine was being sold to. It was a nace. Was it a nace nister, a hidden miracle, or a nace goloi, or revealed miracle? The opinion that says that the vinegar became wine again, of course, that's an open miracle. However, the second opinion, that the price of vinegar rose to the price of wine, that would be a miracle that was hidden. Rav Yitzhak Eichenstein said, we can understand that this is also a miracle. But what would people say? What would they say in the newspapers? They would say it was inflation. There was a shortage of vinegar. It was a very hot summer and affected the price of vinegar. All types of reasons would be given. But the true reason is that a Jew did tshuva. One person that does tshuva, one person that repents, affects the entire world. When somebody does tshuva, there is an integral change 
in the individual themselves. A person could attribute it to many reasons, but the true reason was that there was somebody who returned to Hashem with great love. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizim. Thank you very much, Rabbi Goldwasser. Monday through Thursday, Rabbi Goldwasser with us at 7.30 in the morning, of course, on JM Sunday as well with our wonderful friend, Matis Weingast. JM in the AM. It's a Tuesday on this 12th of October, the 6th of Marrakesh. We're actually here Monday night at Beth Israel Congregation down in Florida. Our chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum, is here. He is here yet enjoying another community, just like when we visited our friends in Dubai, and he was with us as chairman. He is chairing our event tonight, and I appreciate it very much, and we'll be at the uh, Hebrew Academy tomorrow uh, to continue this two-day journey. Also, listener Cena is here. Those of you who are uh, confused, wait a second, doesn't listener Cena spend a lot of time in New York now? Like, What's the story? The, the answer is she is going back in a couple of days. <laughs> but right now she's in Florida and actually arrived early uh, this morning and changed her ticket just to be at a live JM in the AM in Florida. And I want to thank listener Cena because one of the great reasons we've had a connection to Florida all these years is her and uh, her wonderful late husband, Ira. Uh, Dr. Ari Cement is with us. He is known... Not only as the author of certain svarim, and we'll talk about that, but uh, on my notes that I was handed for today's show, it says here he's the doctor who saved Miami Beach from COVID. Dr. Cement, what an honor you could imagine with that uh, introduction it is for me to meet you and welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. Thank you. What do you think they meant when they wrote that comment? Why are they crediting you with saving this community during this 18-month pandemic? I really appreciate that accolade, but that's not totally uh, true. Well, what do you think they had in mind? I think they had in mind. um, I was able to impact. I was in a position in the hospital and here in the community where I was able to impact people. And it was just being in the right place at the right time and using my energies appropriately. And I assume impact means responsible information, giving good guidance into what should and shouldn't be done, especially in public settings, right? It's a synagogue after all, right? So that would be a good example. And, and, and just guiding people through the hysteria and on the other end, the you know, desire for, uh, uh, desire for um, normalcy that people were craving during this entire time. That's a ve- Everything I just mentioned is a very delicate balance to try and maintain. Yeah, what, what really happened in, so in the hospital, I was elected right before as the president of the medical staff. Right. I can't hear out of this left line. Yeah, I know. Don't yeah. worry, I have the same problem. Okay. And <laughs> Funny, time, we never have that problem outside of Florida. What do you think's going on? <laughs> Go at, at the time, so I had an audience there. At least I could speak to, you know, the medical doctors. We had this, big conference and I I remember I got up and I was following what was happening in Wuhan in China. At the time it was only a a small outbreak. There was like 15 people sick and there was a small little uh, blurb in the news. Yeah, you heard about it on cable news every, you know, day, once a day or something. And I got up at the medical executive committee and I said, hey, this is something that we have to take, you know, take seriously. And people looked at me and they said, you're crazy. You're nuts. And that was that was the first month, but the following month, then it started getting bigger and sure. bigger, and still people were were doubters. So I actually called up. Uh, I found him on the internet, Ziong Peng. He was the critical care intensivist in Wuhan, and I scheduled a, a Zoom. This is before anybody really talked about it here in Miami. In uh, now it was a little later. It was started March 2020, and we hosted a Zoom meeting. And it was me, and it was supposed to just be 
Ziong Peng and like 10 other friends that I invited from the hospital. And sure enough, I started looking at Zoom. And at that time, we didn't even know how to use right. Zoom. It was new. And all of a sudden, I saw 10 people, 20 people, 30 people joining the Zoom, people from all across South Florida, including professors at the University of Miami. And we were all asking questions, you know, how do we treat this? This is literally a week before it hit Miami. And I remember asking Ziong Peng, his, his English was, you know, not, I was gonna not ask so good. <laughs> yeah, but he, he spoke English and he wore, he, w- he somehow survived. He was an older physician. He, he wore an N95 at all times. Even on the interview at his home, he was, it was 11 o'clock at his home. He was wearing a, a, an N95, I still remember that. And I said, tell me, so just tell us what works. And I remember his face, like he looked at us, he, we were like 50 people on the Zoom conference. What works? And he said, he just shook his head. He couldn't, and I thought this was part of the Chinese, you know, that they don't, the censorship, maybe they don't want to say. And uh, sure enough, there were some very smart doctors at University of Miami who asked other questions about like weird medicines like tocilizumab and anti-inflammatory drugs that nobody was talking about. And he answered it. And because of that Zoom call, you know, there were a lot of drugs that were started also by us and by University of Miami early on because of that interview. So, that so if someone it. came to your hospital, seriously, yeah. in March, April of 2020, because this was not going on where we were. Right. If they came to your hospital, you already had some therapeutics and some strategy aside from respirators to deal with COVID. Yeah, we, we were, I mean, we had an idea based, I mean, it wasn't only that Zoom call, I but get it. we were reaching out. We were thinking, uh, you know, ahead. Because if I remember correctly, Florida numbers in general were much lower than other states around the country during what we call the peak or the very, you know, the beginning scare of COVID. Is that one of the reasons? Because down here they were actually advanced in terms no. of treat. That's not one of the reasons. No, no, no. No, we were, we were low because we were low, but uh, in the beginning, and New York was the epicenter, right. but we were getting the dribble, drabble from New York, the people that were visiting and then getting the cases and it was starting to ramp up for our hospital. You know, even having 20 people initially is a lot. Right. Uh, for New York Hospital, it was revved up. And in the in the second phase, actually, we had over 150 you know, patients in our hospital at one time. What's it like a, today? Now it's it's come down to thank God less than 20. What do you think it's going to be like? You have any clue what the next few months will bring or not bring in terms of COVID? I think uh, I was wrong the last time, but I'm going to say I think the next six months, Miami Beach has a good. Nice six months. And you're saying that I could be wrong. Only about Miami Beach? You'd say that about anywhere in the U.S.? I think after the triple booster shot, I'm hoping for a good four to six months. Why didn't the double work as well as we would have preferred? I think the double worked very well. The people that have gotten the second vaccine, all the patients that I've encountered so far, I shouldn't say all, um, the majority, the vast majority, even if they, you know, got an infection, it was of a mild infection. Right. I've had, unfortunately, some people pass away despite having the vaccine, but... Two or know, three. About, yeah, about... No, four, not four people, meaning two or three vaccines, oh, and they still... Two, never three. You have not seen the three. Uh, speaking to Dr. Ari Cement, who has been credited with saving Miami Beach from COVID, uh, you have... Uh, I mean, we, we included in our introduction the fact that you actually write Svarim, right? These would be considered Svarim, but you actually brought them along with you, I see. Yeah, but can I can I go back to what the rabbi did? In, of in, oh, in, you want to credit the rabbi? I want to credit the rabbi because Rabbi Bixen really deserves a huge credit here in Miami Beach. He really stood up at a time where it's really, really, really difficult, 
I, I'll tell you a really quick story if it's okay with you. If, you're, if it's okay with you, go right ahead. We had it was the it was the Shabbos of APAC, right? The APAC convention that was going on in New York. That's where the outbreak started. Oh, the York. Washington APAC was one of the reasons that the, our community in general got such a terrible case of COVID. Many Jewish communities around the country people converged on DC then. Right. So right within the 18 minutes of Shabbos, I had a I had a report that there was somebody in APAC who was maybe exposed. And so they, we had shul here, and shul was packed like usual. I mean, at that time, on Friday night. And so I missed shul, but I came over to the rabbi's house. And I remember I said, Rabbi Bixen, I'm telling you, there are some congregants who might have gone to APAC, and they are exposed. And if you have shul tomorrow, you might have a massive spreader event. We don't know what would have happened. The rabbi had a very difficult time. He could not, at the time, he couldn't make the decision. Why? It wasn't Altsis Kavod. It was because he didn't want to offend the people that might have gone to APAC, say, hey, you can't come to Shul. You're, you're a Miami Beacher. I've been here for 40 years. You know, so he had a very difficult time. It really took a while to convince him, not because of the Kavod, but because of that. And it shows the respect that he has for his congregation. And he really stood up, and people came up to him. People were complaining to the rabbi. Oh, you're, you're holding us back. I really sincerely believe that the way he stood up and he held his ground, even till today, was the reason why a lot of lives were saved here. Wow. And to those who were smart enough to realize that there were super spreader potential that were coming into the community. I forgot about APAC, but that certainly was a big consideration. Uh, so you actually write Svarim. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Well, it was really because I wrote for the shul, my Uncle Perry, Perry Cement. He's the father of our own cement, who I believe you interviewed a few weeks ago. That's very possible. <laughs> so Perry Cement wrote the Torah Gems here in Miami Beach uh, for our shul, Beth Israel, uh, for over 30 years. Wow. So my Uncle Perry decided to you know, stop for the time being, so I started writing the Devar Torah, and I thought it would be nice to connect Pirkei Ovis to the Parsha. So for a few years, I connected the Pirkei Elvis to the Parsha, and then I just put it together as a book. My father, Larry Cement, is here. And uh, that's where the, the uh, book idea came from. But it's really, it's really a shul book. Well, congratulations, because that is some thick volume. That's not yeah. just a safer. That's, a, that's quite, a, quite a comprehensive. Thank it's you. I appreciate you. that it's very much. I hope, you've, I hope you've inscribed it, because yes. it would be much more meaningful to me if you have. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. And this one is called the coronavirus pandemic, historical, medical, and halachic perspective. This is something you co-wrote with our professor, Avraham Steinberg, MD. And I guess I shouldn't ask what this is about because it's obvious what it's about. But, but tell me about doing this, about uh, creating this book. Yeah, so my name is on the book, but it's really to showcase Rabbi Avraham Steinberg's work. He is a medical ethicist. And he, is, uh, he won the Israeli Prize. He's very well known. He wrote the Jewish Medical Ethics textbook. And it goes through a lot of his um, halachas on all questions at that time. This was during the first phase of the pandemic. But we also had a question answer uh, about 10 questions that came up. For instance, like so I got a call about somebody who wanted to donate plasma. Can he go on Shabbos to go and, and drive over and donate for his cousin who's in the hospital on the ventilator. Good question. Like questions like that. So we have questions and answers, but it's really to showcase his uh, great work. Very nice. Well, congratulations on both of those. 
And uh, I'm sure people listening right now, since our home base is uh, New York and New Jersey, are curious if you're related to Rabbi Cement in New Jersey. Yeah. Rabbi, Rabbi Aharon Cement is my cousin. That's your cousin. There you go. So there you have it. Um, uh, well, thank you. Thank you very thank much. You. Thanks thank for you. joining us. The awesome. the doctor who saved Miami Beach. It sounds like a great movie. Uh, <laughs> the, and that's uh, Dr. Ari Sumet. Thanks for joining us thank here tonight. Uh, it's a Tuesday morning broadcast. May not sound like it because it's actually a, a, a Tuesday, it's a Monday night visit to our friends at the Beth Israel Congregation here in Miami Beach. But, of course, you're listening to a Tuesday morning JM and We've spent a lot of time in the last half hour talking about COVID and corona. For those of you who remember, this was... I believe the first song that was released uh, right after the height of Corona by Mordechai Ben David to express the anguish of the Jewish world during the pandemic. Good way to wrap up this segment on a Tuesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Of course, as Shirley Meyer just pointed out, I have been playing the wrong selection. This is a Muftach selection from the one and only Shmuel Younger. We might get to the Mordechai and David song coming up.
JM in the AM. We don't like misidentifying music. Thank God for Shirley Meyer. Someone's got to pay attention to the show. <laughs> we may get to that MBD selection, but that's Muftach done by uh, Shmuel Younger. Dr. David Hershon has walked in. Dr. David Hershon, one of the great, not just supporters of JM and the Nahum Siegel Network, but enthusiastic um, uh, uh, cheerleaders for what we do on a daily basis, and I thank him. He's also engaged to Daniela. We wish him a mazel tov. Member of the Beth Israel Congregation. How's the Kala doing? You doing all right? Great to see you, Dr. Hirschhorn. I'm flattered. We're all flattered, frankly, that you came by to see us and to say hi tonight or on a Tuesday morning broadcast, wherever you want to look at it. And now I finally got the Dr. Cement story correct because Miriam Wallach reminded me that it was Rabbi Cement, his cousin that we spoke to when we did the show at our Yisrael in Teaneck, New Jersey. Can you, in, in, not Teaneck, in Tenafly, New Jersey. Can you imagine all this is coming together for me on the air. Imagine that. Well, Rebbitson Aliza Bixen is here. She is the Rebbitson of the community of the um, Beth Israel Congregation here in uh, Florida, in Miami Beach. Uh, she is another person in this room who, uh, who, who, along with myself, would never, would never, what's the expression? I can't believe it just escaped my mind. We know each other longer than we never care to admit. Woo! There you go. I don't have a problem admitting. I know, that's true. I, I'm the one with the problem, but do it's you, a do long... You, do you know where, where we know each other from? I'm assuming that you were a camper in Camp Marasha. I a long, long, Wait, give me a second here. A long, 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 long time ago. Am I right? You were my Nietzsche division head <laughs> when gosh. I was nine years old. That's a long time ago. And then we uh, we both had our own Camp Masora journeys. We did. You were there the first year. I was there the first year. Hey, so was I. Uh, I know. <laughs> the first, you know, Rabbi Bixen, your wonderful husband, walks in. He's got a whole malucha there. You know, he doesn't realize it was built on the shoulders of people like us. He after, doesn't realize. You know, year, year number one. You and I remember what the first night ever in that yeah. camp was like. Uh, all he remembers is that Hoppies has great kosher ice cream. <laughs> right, Bixen, just having a little. Only knew. Right, Bixen, just having a little fun at your expense. That's all. That uh, don't don't mean a word of it. Don't worry. Anyway, yes, we've been through many tukufas together. A lot of tukufas, and then we spent some time on the max together. Correct, because we were not only. I mean, there, there was that amazing max shabbaton that New we York, Pennsylvania. That we were in New York, Pennsylvania. But aside from that, that whole season and that whole experience was amazing. So anyway, yes. Baruch Hashem, lots of connections over the years, and here we are. In Miami Beach, Florida. And you, like everybody else, has seen that most of America is trying to move down here. Do why you, not? Do you understand why? I do understand why. You've also, I assume, been here since 1997. Does that make sense? Yes, I, I come with him. <laughs> and, and why would people want to do what you did, move down to Florida? Well, I moved down here for right. the job. Professional reasons. <laughs> and I thought we were just coming for a year or two, like for an adventure. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't think that we were going to be... I couldn't believe he was taking me away from New York, New Jersey right. area. I could never imagine living here. Yeah. Um, the capital of Jewish life he <laughs> removed you from. I know. <laughs> I was crying at the airport like I was going on a boat to Russia. Um, <laughs> it was that bad, huh? It was pretty bad. But thank God, it, the community is beautiful. It's a great place to raise children. It's... You know, when I moved here, I only knew my friends' parents. I knew, like, my grandparents, that generation. Right. I used to come here on vacation to the Mimosa. I knew all of the Holocaust survivors that lived here. I knew the boardwalk. I didn't know the Miami Beach community. I literally just knew the older generation. But but then as we moved here and, and the community grew, there, there are a tremendous amount of young families, and it's a vibrant 
young community. It is a pretty amazing community, and now, as we keep reiterating, it's uh, it's one that's uh, become very attractive to people everywhere. Uh, in addition to your work as representative of the community, we've been told that you've been involved in a whole bunch of stuff recently. Here's the list that I have in front of me. You ready for this? <laughs> it says here, co-owner and co-founder of Healthy on the Beach. Now, the beach yes. is very close by, <laughs> so I'm assuming this is a local business. <laughs> well, my platform is... First Lady of Beth Israel. Right. My platform as a Rebbitzin is health in the Jewish community. I feel very passionate about it. And my my professional life is that I'm a health coach. I, I co-own a Pilates studio in Miami Beach, and I'm also a health coach with my partner. And um, and we also own a collagen company. We're the only kosher bovine collagen distributors in the country. All right, let's start with the health angle. So, I mean, many people would uh, would question whether people in our community are ready for a healthy approach to life. What have you found since you started this business? I have found definitely a little pushback from the Jewish community. I think that as a community, we're very sedentary and we love to eat and we love to celebrate, which is beautiful. But my message is that there doesn't have to be a compromise. There, there could be a compromise. You you don't have to give up Hamish by being healthy. Okay. Well, that's that's good to know. <laughs> For those of us who have thought about it, it's good to know. And then the whole collagen thing, explain what that's all about. Because I'm sure a lot of people listening who don't even know what that's a reference to. Oh, so collagen is is a, a protein that our bodies produce naturally, and we stop at a certain age, and the only way to get it back is by ingesting it. So it's a powder, and it's actually derived from cowhide. And it's totally parav, even though it's it's certified chavke kosher parav, even though it's made from the hide of a cow, which is very interesting. So this is what a mix. A, what, it's what is a powder. It? It's a white protein powder that you then what put in water, and, and you go put it in coffee, in a smoothie, anything. It's a it's a protein powder, but it helps you, you know, with your hair strength and nail strength and immunity, gut health. And do people? see the difference? Do yes, they feel they do. the difference? Yes, they do. Does it it's make them feel better or just look better? It makes them better? feel and look better. Interesting. Joint pain, gut health, immunity, hair strength, nail, skin texture. Any age? Any age. It could help somebody in their 80s. Yes, 100%. They'll see the improvement. I mean, it might not be as fast right. as someone who's I understand you know, that. in their 30s, but yes. Very interesting. How do people get information about all this? I mean, how do uh, they... We're on Instagram at The Absolute Collagen or at Healthy on the Beach. Everything's social media right now. Healthy on the Beach, The Absolute Collagen. Yes. And there people can get all the information they, they would want about, yes. uh, about all of this. Well, pretty cool. I'll tell you. Uh, nothing like that social media to get the word out, huh? Baruch Hashem. Boy, oh boy. Uh, any final words about uh, this community you'd like to tell us? Because you've been in this congregation quite a while, so you could tell us how wonderful it is, I'm sure. Yeah, it's gone by like a blink of an eye. We came here with like two little babies, and those two babies are now married and in New York, <laughs> hopefully temporarily. <laughs> oh, now you want them coming back here? <laughs> I want them to come back. Um, but we think it's wonderful how the community is growing, and and we encourage people to come, check it out for Shabbos, come to Miami Beach, enjoy all the beauty that Hashem has created around us, and and come move here. Be with Amazing. us. Rabbits and Aliza Bixen, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us and for welcoming us here. Thank you, Stretch. <laughs> there you go. One of the few people who's allowed to call me that. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. I'm <laughs> 
שאומר לעולם אוהדיי, יאמר לצורי סיידידיי. 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 Thanks for joining us. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, and it's hour number three from Florida. We're in Miami Beach. Could you imagine? We finally made it to the Sunshine State, and it's great to be here. Uh, Abraham Galbud is the president of, uh, what did I say? What did I do wrong? 
Albie, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. They gave me a whole speech. How you have the most amazing nickname, and I went ahead and I blew it. I apologize for that. I hope you're not going to hold it against me. I'm not going to hold it against you. Albie Galbert is the president of the Beth Israel Congregation. After 38 years, I even make mistakes. Could you imagine? Albie Galbert is the president of the Beth Israel Congregation. You've been the president for how long? Well, right now I've been president for six years. Wow. You've chosen quite an era to assume the presidium of this congregation. Yes, I have. But unfortunately, it wasn't my choice. Yeah, that's uh, meaning. Meaning that when you had COVID, right. you had to step up to the plate. Beth Israel was a leader in the community. Our rabbi was a leader in the community. And our members were leaders in the community. How different is it being president during the pandemic as opposed to regular times? Are, are congregants different? Are the issues of the day very different? Are meetings very different during COVID than during regular times at Beth Israel? Pre-COVID, we always had great meetings. We were focused. And our problems were what we would normally have thought would be problems of a community. When COVID came, it wasn't the problems of the community that we were normally expecting, but it was the reality of the needs of a kahila coming together. That's really the key when you talk about the um, opportunities that were presented. Um, our shul made sure that everyone was taken care of, even though our rav reluctantly closed our shul he made sure that everyone understood the halachas of davening by themselves. Mm -hmm. He made sure that Torah continued in the community. He made sure that everyone had the community needs met. When we finally opened up on a limited basis, he made sure that people who were saying Kaddish were given the opportunity, whether they could come or say it over the Zoom he set up for everyone to daven. He worked with the youth. He worked with others. Shul, recognizing the need of the importance of the vaccine, Rabbi Bixen was a leader in the community, making sure everyone here got the opportunity to be vaccinated as quickly and as soon as possible. And only then we began to open up. And fortunately, we had just finished doing some renovation in the shul that enabled us to take out some seats, provide social distancing, insisting on masks. But we ran a shul. And people who wanted to come was given the opportunity to daven. And those who couldn't were given the same opportunity by virtue of Zoom. You're saying something so important, even when the shul's not open. The shul's open. Even when the shul's not open, the shul's there to serve the community. And that's a really important point that a lot of people in many communities don't get. Albie Galbert is with us. He's president here at Beth Israel. Um, at what, there has to be a point where you said to yourself, what's the future of this shul and this community with all that's going on? I mean, it must have been for everybody, not just here in Florida, but anywhere. Uh, when a shul is closed, you start to wonder and fear, you know, what does the future bring? Was there a point yet where you said to yourself, okay, we're, we're past it and the future looks bright? Well, I'm, as people will tell you, an optimist. My father taught me that you always look to the positive side. I know today, as I did yesterday, that Beth Israel will be here. It's only the opportunities that we can make for ourselves to improve ourselves
Now, I was never depressed or felt that we would lose. I know that Beth Israel will grow every day. We have um, a great leadership. We have great members, a great board. We have a great youth leader, Rabbi Garfinkel. We have um, a great woman's leadership. We have young people. We're growing in that area. Our whole community is growing. I mean, I'm one of the very fortunate people that besides my brothers, um, we were born here. Mm. My brother Russell had the first bar mitzvah in the main sanctuary at Beth Israel. So we've been family here. I remember sitting with my father, my brothers. I remember raising my three sons here, my brothers raising their children. Uh, all in this community, all who, going who to Beth the, Israel. Who was the rabbi at your brother's bar mitzvah? I believe it was Rabbi Rotman, but it could have been Rabbi Wine. Rabbi and, Wine, and, yeah, Rabbi Rotman, and Rabbi you, Wine. And you remember all the rabbis. I remember every single one of the rabbis. I felt myself very lucky being close to all of the rabbis. What I don't normally mention is I was a privilege to be president during Rabbi Shapiro's uh, leadership here, and um, after he was Nifter and we had Rabbi Turk, I was privileged of being president during that time. I've been president with three rabbis at Shul here. Interesting. Well, Albi Galbert is with us. He's president here at Beth Israel. Now, you've seen, um, I keep joking about this, but obviously there's a kernel of truth to it that, you know, all of America wants to move to Florida. How has it affected this congregation? Is there, I mean, we did, we actually met new members tonight, so there's, there's definitely new membership. How would you describe what it's like from your vantage point to see what's happening? It's great. We have new membership, we have new life, we have new thoughts, we have new direction all the time. We have people coming. There's um, a plethora of shuls, a plethora of minions. We don't realize it in Beth Israel Shabbos morning, we run three minyanim here. We have the early Hashkama minion at 7.30, we have the teenage minion, we have Rabbi Garfinkel leading all of the youth, and we have our what we call the main minion at nine o'clock. Uh, we have great minyanim. Uh, Rabbi is planning. It's been harder now because of COVID, because of de the Delta variant right. and so forth. But we'll soon uh, have people coming back for the 8 o'clock minyan. The 7 o'clock minyan is packed. We have people uh, every morning. We have shear room here. We have shears at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, tonight we have a shear. Rabbi leaves an advanced Gemara shear on, 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 on Wednesday. Tomorrow night, the rabbi has, is leaving a shear for women on the Breshis. Um, we have uh, a um, shear that the rabbi gives on, did you know, uh, between Mincha and Mayriv, um, Shabbos evening, you know, um, uh, as we get ready for Havdalah, uh, topics that things that we would even think about. There's everything here that a person could want in Beth Israel, as well as Miami Beach. Albie, may I call you Albie? Sure, you may. You have you have debunked the myth or the rumor that the presidency of a synagogue is a thankless job. Oh, it, it is a thankless. Job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you haven't debunked it. Maybe you've debunked. Maybe you've debunked this one. That, that it's one where you don't get any satisfaction. Because to me, it seems like you enjoy this role and you, you relish in the fact that the shul is growing under your leadership. Well, you have to recognize that I'm one of the very fortunate people because all of my 
a substantial number of the next generation of my family have come back to Miami Beach, and they've chosen to daven with me. When I come and daven here, I have nephews, I have nieces, I have my son, I have my grandchildren. When you have uh, door-to-door, generation to generation, I have to tell you one of the biggest pleasures I have is is every morning at 7 o'clock when we start davening, I daven with my brother Robert and sometimes my brother David. He's a surgeon, and if he starts early, he can't right. come. But otherwise, the three of us who live in the neighborhood, we daven together. We hit Mincha Mayrev together, and I'm usually lucky to see my son, my other son. When you have a, have a family davening from generation to generation, all returning to Miami Beach, and that you have your grandchildren living here, and your nieces and nephews, and your great-nieces and nephews. I can't tell you what it is. Shabbos morning, from all ages, from 2, 3, to 13, to 15, to have family with you at Shul. We have learned a lot of things tonight. The lesson you just taught us might be the most important one. What a beautiful thought about family and Shul, davening together being together and raising families together. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's our pleasure. And thank, thank you, you for, for having us, us and being here. It's great to be here, and thank you for welcoming us. Amazing. President of Beth Israel, Albi Galbert, and yeah, very important lesson. What a, um, what a privilege, as he just described, when someone's able to be surrounded by family on a regular basis in synagogue. That is one of the most amazing and incredible things that one can ask for. Uh, there's no denying that. Uh, Daniel Miller is with us. All right. I said something about thankless jobs before. You may have heard (laughs) when I spoke to the president of Beth Israel. We talked about being underappreciated and sometimes being the target of complaints and criticism. That's, That's what I meant when I said thankless. And actually, Albie agreed with me. Well, Daniel agreed with me when we revealed that he's the gabai of the Beth Israel Synagogue here in Miami Beach. A pleasure to welcome you to the show. Thank you for having me. We could uh, have a competition. <laughs> yes, which one is which more is worse? Which is worse, president or Gabai? Look, you try your hardest. Tell everybody you try your hardest to do everything that people wa- want to be done for them in the shul. I feel like every day is Arav Yom Kippur asking for mechila, asking <laughs> forgiveness of our members. But I would like to say that it, I'm one of Uncle Albie's nephews. Wow. I'm married to his niece, Elana. And it is our great honor and pleasure to have him as our president. He is been a shining example of what it is to he said he's been president for three rabbis it's not because he forced his way in he he volunteers and he wants to do it and you felt that in his love and passion yeah. for the shul uh, so it is truly our honor i'm happy to say i picked that up after knowing him for 10 minutes yes. and i'm sure what you're saying is 100 percent accurate and it's really beautiful um by the way preferential treatment uh, uh, from the gabai for the president or not yeah. i mean how does how does it work extra leah for the president yeah. or not how i make him daven chakras every shot <laughs> you force him to the oven huh yeah. <laughs> he has to pay the price for being your uncle <laughs> i don't know if that's a good thing or not <laughs> uh, anyway so uh I, i'm sure that just like the president and the rabbi you had an interesting role all through the uh, uh, corona time and that this pandemic has lent its uh 
uh, has lent itself to challenges even for Gabay, I would guess. Yeah, it was probably the easiest time for the Gabay. <laughs> Nobody around, huh? Yeah, the Valkyrie <laughs> took every Aaliyah. It was uh, perfect. Oh, I forgot never, about that. Yeah, yes. Never had to, you never, never had, had to, to worry choose. about who to give an Aaliyah to. No Cohen, no Levy. Right. He took every one. But it, it was truly, it was it was difficult, that's for sure, to say the least. Um, but funny enjoy. enough, the transition out of that must have been hard. Yes. There are a lot of people that you want to make sure. There's a lot of you people know, to make up for, right. a lot of people to get back together. But yeah. it, it's truly an honor to be the Gabay. The shul. I know we joke around that it's a thankless yep. job, but it's yep. it's truly an honor to be a part of the growth of the shul, to be a part of people's simchas, to be a, a way to for people to grieve for their loved ones, to have alios to at proper times. So during Corona, not be able to do that was actually quite difficult, and it, it was in it was a sad time. And to be able to transition back was a tremendous. Um, because of the rabbi, because of the president, everything that they did to keep the shul going. So it wasn't as hard as it seems. Everyone came back with unity and togetherness to be a part of the shul, and it, it, it's great to be back. Well, it's wonderful to be here at a time of year when literally things are coming back, coming after the Yom Narayim, and now starting what we call the 5782 season, wishing everybody at Beth Israel a banner year ahead, and of course, you as Gabbai. Uh, we hope only the best for you. And the um, I, I, I tend to think, and I don't want to get too negative or critical, but people need to realize when people do complain about the work that people like yourself uh, do in the shul, very often it's, thing, it's a role they would never be able to fill. They don't realize how difficult it is, or they do realize it, and they feel they should be complaining anyway. So all the behind-the-scenes and in-front-of-the-scenes things that you as Gabayim do, I applaud you. And I think that, Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that it's an opportunity for everybody who's listening now to just keep in mind the role that the uh, God by the Shul is playing. Uh, we, we should mention, by the way, that um, uh, you've been involved in, a, in what we can call uh, an international episode, and that's because you are, I'm assuming, and this is just, a, am I right it was a Sabaro attack or not? No, not Sabaro. Not. The, the uh, Cafe Ramon attack or no, not? No, no, it was oh, years it was before that. that, but it was on Ben Yehuda. You are right about Where the place. Where was it on Ben Yehuda? It was right in the middle of Ben Yehuda at a place called Cafe Fenji, and uh, it was the Cafe Atara bombing. That's how it's known as oh, uh, sure. in 1997, right? Um, when Sharon was prime minister sure. previously. Uh, I mean, Netanyahu was prime minister previously, his last time, and uh, it was in 1997. And uh, I don't know what's what's actually worse, the terrorist attack or being Gabay of Israel. But <laughs> well, that's I a would, joke. <laughs> yeah. but, but in all seriousness, it, yes, it was uh, my first day in Israel as, uh, after high school and um, you know, attending the year abroad. Uh, within 24 hours, I was a victim of a triple suicide bombing or a survivor of a triple suicide bombing, as I like to say. And were you injured in that attack? Yes. I uh, was in the hospital for about a week with shrapnel in my arm, shrapnel in my leg, some glass in my eye, um, shrapnel in my stomach, and I had multiple surgeries to remove shrapnel, and I couldn't walk for about three to four months, and still suffer from some injuries today. Where where did you recover, in Israel or here? I recovered in Israel. I stayed in Israel for the year. I was in Hadassah Sofim and had physical therapy there for a few months. And Can I ask where stayed. you were enrolled to go to school there? I was in Reishi, Yerushalayim. It's yes. not, not, that, not that any of this has to do with me, but I'm honestly shocked that I don't remember this part of the episode, that there was a young, uh, you know, young man after high yeah. school who had been there a day in one of our... Yeah, there were three of us there who uh, 
decided to have some food at a restaurant in Ben Yehuda before we went back to Yeshiva. It was our first day there. They gave us off to transition right. and, and have a day off. And right before we went back, that's when the bombers blew themselves up. Now, the reason that this was brought to our attention, in addition to the fact mm-hmm. that obviously this is a significant part of your past, is that you've actually taken legal action against Iran because, right. because of this attack. Yeah, like I said, I don't like to consider myself a victim. I like to be a survivor. So the only way that victims could fight back, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, we don't go and strap ourselves with explosives and kill their children and and wives and and husbands. So the only way we could fight back is by taking away their means to do it. Um, And so I sued Iran because they were directly responsible. They support Hamas, both militarily and financially, and I sued them, and we're still fighting them in court to this very day. Some of those cases, similar to yours, have made some progress over the years. Am I right about that? Yes, we will. We took the case all the way to the Supreme Court, um, and Justice Ginsburg ruled in our favor, and we were able to take some of their assets. Right now, we're fighting over a building on Fifth Avenue, 650 Fifth Avenue. That belongs to their government belongs to their government is now the Nike headquarters, but it's prime real estate that they were using as a front to fund money through. And the FBI did an extensive seven-year um, case on them and took the building away from them. And now we're still fighting an appeals court for it, but it's looking very positive. Well, call it Kavod. I, I have to assume, and I, I don't think this is overstating it, I have to assume that when they witness survivors do what you're doing it has to deter somebody i'm not saying it deters the average terrorist on the street but it's got to deter those who are calling for these acts from higher positions well that's 100 percent the motive you know the the financial is only something that we were promised but we would never get but to be able to have iran think about it when they have to give 100 million dollars to hamas it doesn't affect them but when they start losing buildings that are worth a billion dollars and everybody's looking at them and they're people are fighting them because they're fighting poverty because of these cases. They have over $50 billion worth of cases in the courts right now. So I would hope that it does deter, and I've seen it in person, that they've stopped supporting Hamas as much as they used to. Have you been to Israel since the episode? Oh, yeah. Many times. My parents live there. I have two brothers there. What's it like when you walk by that spot? It's it's not easy. It's It's interesting, It definitely gets harder and harder every year. Um, Yeah, it's not easy. I stop. I'm, I'm fearful of crowds. I don't like... You know, mm. being in the area, I'm always looking over my shoulder, especially because of the recent activity that goes on there. Right. And it becomes harder and harder, but it's our land and I'll always go. Wow. It'll never stop me. Amazing. <laughs> Daniel Miller, I thank you. Great meeting you. Continued thank success you. here down in Miami Beach. Thank you. At Congregation Beth Israel. Daniel Miller's the gabai here. Uh, but as you heard, he has uh, uh, quite a, um, a history that's worth sharing as we discuss um so many important issues, including, um, and sometimes we forget this, about the wanton terror activity that was going on in Jerusalem and so many other areas of Israel um, that we heard about from around the world at a moment's notice and couldn't believe the horror that was being inflicted upon people, our brothers and sisters in Israel. Sometimes it's really important to remember what that era was like. More coming up. You're listening to Eitan Katz at JM in the AM.
JM in the AM. What a perfect song that is for uh, for a synagogue. Barov Am Hadras Melach, done by Eitan Katz. For those of you not familiar with the translation, it is the uh, it is the congregation, the large crowd, the crowd in general, that is the great that is able to display and add to the great glory of the one above, and that is because of the uh, shuls like this, we're able to gather with large people on a Shabbos or Yontif, and certainly on a weekday and uh, daven together. And here we are at Beth Israel Synagogue, Beth Israel Congregation down in Miami Beach. And we are um, speaking to you on a Tuesday morning, October the 12th, the 6th of Mara Cheshvan. But believe it or not, we're actually pre-recording the show on a Monday night here at Beth Israel. Uh, Efrat Friedman and Aliza Strolli. Am I right? Are those our two guests? They, in fact, they are. Efrat, a pleasure to welcome you here. Uh, oh, one second. Let me t- you know what would be a good idea if I turned on your microphone? That would be a great idea. How's that? Can we hear you now? Hello? Hello? There we go. You're on. Whew. Doing sound checks live on the air. Listener seen her shocked. She's never seen that before. Um, so anyway, Efrat Friedman, welcome. Lisa Strolley, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to speak to both of you. All right, who's going to start? Who's going to start by telling me why this community is so amazing, why it's so incredible. You want to start, Aliza? Sure. Um, so we joined the shul um, just before my son's bar mitzvah. And How long ago was that? Uh, a while ago? like Five years. years. Oh, five cool. years. Very nice. Short years. It went by quick. <laughs> um, so we, we came because we were looking for an official shul, like a legit shul, and we got way more than we bargained for. Nice, and you've been in this school for five years. Yes, and it's like a, it's a community. It's honestly, it's like a big warm hug because it's everywhere. It's like a family. It's really a nice. It's a beautiful community, and and Rabbi Bixen is um, just very knowledgeable. You can ask him any question, um, but both he and his Robinson are super approachable and um, down to earth, and you know they make you feel super comfortable and. Honestly, they make you feel like you're like the most important member of the community. They make everyone wow. feel like that. There's a connection. So it's not just the neighborhood and the community. It's this shul specifically. That's, yeah, absolutely. That you're enthralled with, which is which is really beautiful. Efrat, what can you add to all this? What can you tell us about your experience down here? So definitely agree with Elise about the rabbi and Rebetzin. Um, we've been very close to them since we moved here. Uh, they're How long amazing. ago was that? So we moved here in 2007. Yeah, so it's been a while. Yeah, it's 14 years. Yeah, 14 years. And um, we first met Rabbi Bixen outside the show. We just happened to be walking by. We were brand new, and he immediately got us involved. And we went over, and Aliza is a gourmet, uh, very healthy chef. And uh, we just immediately all established a, a connection. We just, uh, they're great. So definitely that's a huge part of the reason we love the show so much. It's also very diverse. There are... Um, there are people from all different backgrounds, um, all different types of people, different levels of religiosity. So it's it's a nice sort of melting pot. And yeah, we like that. So, What do the two of you think of all the people in our community nationwide that now want to be part of this community? Yeah, it's great. We're welcoming them. Yeah. Not We'd a big deal. It. It's fine. They've discovered one of the best kept secrets and you just want them to show up. And I like that attitude. Absolutely. Some people would like would like them to stay away or think about it long and hard before they move down here. 
Uh, but all kidding aside, you're obviously willing uh, to welcome them. Does it surprise you? Do you? First of all, do you notice it? Is it something that's noticeable as you shop, as you work, oh, for as sure. you as you take your kids to school, as you come to school? Is this all noticeable to people like yourselves? Very, definitely but- more congestion. Simple as that. <laughs> Traffic wise, yeah. Pedestrian wise in stores, yeah. It's pretty more, amazing. More congestion. It's pretty amazing, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Coming from a place where everyone seems to be moving out, <laughs> because I don't know if you heard, but uh, Manhattan and New York City in general have enjoyed, if you will, a real exodus over the yeah. last 18 months. The exact opposite is happening down here. Uh, what about community outside of the shul? Because, I mean, we were joking earlier, and again, not really much of a joke, about this possibly being the kosher food and restaurant capital of the country. Uh, schools, uh, shuls, uh, the restaurants. I mean, it looks like you have the infrastructure that people would dream about in any Jewish community. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. And we have the, you know, we have the best restaurants. We have the best shul. So, yeah. You got the whole package down yep. here, I guess. Well, it's a pleasure meeting both of you and the Thank continued you. success. To every, anything else you'd like to add about all this, about the synagogue and about the community? Um, yeah, I mean, just in terms of restaurants, we've definitely upped our game oh, over yeah. the last few years. We're definitely enjoying that. You know, there's new places opening up all the time. Um, and they all have sort of a, a different flavor to them, you know, literally and figuratively. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's nice to go out and... Um, there's just definitely a lot going on. It just feels like a happening place to be. Um, there's a lot of action. A lot of action, yeah. And it's also, you know, of course, nice being so close to the beach. So you sort of have a little bit of that, you know, quiet suburban feel. You get to walk by the ocean, but it's also very urban and happening. And I sort of like that combination. You're both veterans of this area. Uh, can you yeah. speak to the uh, pace, the, without COVID, the Pesach influx and the Yeshiva break influx when people are down here in January and then again at Pesach time? Well, I'm not going to lie, it's it's tough, <laughs> but it's worth the trade-off because we have, you know, they they support our restaurants and right. we have them the whole year round. That's so, true. you know. But you know not to try to make a reservation that week. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> but usually the Floridians or the Miami Beach people, we go away. Exactly. I've heard so about this. To other areas back. of Florida, right? Is that common? To other areas uh, of Florida? To, or, Israel. or to anywhere. Israel, yeah. right? They, um, Colorado. Right. We yeah. we like to ski because we can't. Not a do lot of skiing in this time. area. Exactly. <laughs> well, there you go. This is the attitude when the New Yorkers and everyone else seems to come down here, and that's right. what happens. Everyone from here escapes to somewhere so else. Uh, much. Thank you to uh, Efrat Friedman and Aliza Strolli. Great job. Thank you very very much. Thank you. Thank really, you for we're getting us. some great spokespeople on here. I must say, very very nice. Uh, a lot of great people who are uh, joining us here tonight, or. If you're a stickler, Tuesday morning here at JM in the AM to talk about South Florida and to talk about Miami Beach. More coming up at JM in the AM as we continue. I do remind you we are at the uh, Hebrew Academy tomorrow. We are at the Hebrew Academy tomorrow. Join us for that show between 6 and 9 a.m. Again, we're at the Hebrew Academy tomorrow. Join us between 6 and 9 a.m. And and that's happening on a Wednesday morning broadcast right here at JM in the AM. Ich bin 
Levi Falkowitz, Lutamana Chai. It's uh, a Tuesday morning broadcast here at JMN. Big thanks to Paya Capital. Thank you to Paya Capital for sponsoring our broadcast tonight. Boy, this guy, this gentleman who's about to sit down to my right, has gotten a lot of positive pub tonight, to say the least. A lot of great positive publicity. He is Rabbi Yaakov Garfinkel, the youth director of Beth Israel. Rabbi Garfinkel, do you know what they've been saying about you tonight? They, oh, maybe I should turn on your microphone. <laughs> Go right ahead, Rabbi. I have not heard, but... You haven't heard a word. It, it, it's great to hear, just just, just to see your face. Listen, good. I want to tell you something. Uh, youth director is not an easy job. It is not. And parents entrust you and all youth directors around the world to do a good job in enriching their children's lives. And uh, based on what we've heard so far tonight, you're doing quite a job. So congratulations to you, Rabbi I appreciate Garfinkel. that. Thank you. A lot of very happy parents. A vote of confidence from the one and only. Well, I don't know about a vote of confidence. But just to, I'm parroting what everyone's been saying about you because, uh, again, youth director's not easy, and you're doing a good job. By the way, speaking of not easy, um, in 2021, youth directorship is even more difficult than it used to be. Wouldn't you agree? I think without a doubt, I think for a solid period of time, six to eight months, we found countless students, countless children, countless youth, together with their parents, not being able to attend synagogue. And for the most part, for the first couple of weeks, it was frustrating. It was anger-filled. And then at some, po- at some point, generally, we've all become somewhat complacent with, you can be a religious from Jew and not necessarily have to go to shul regularly for minyanim and for programming and so on and so forth. And bringing that back has been both a challenge, uh, but also very rewarding to, to see something rebuilt, uh, come back stronger, closer than yeah. ever before. Great to, to see it growing. To use the eight-day reference. That's right. <laughs> it's great to see it rebuilding, as you say, and getting back to, I know people say normal, but I think it's even beyond that, just to see the strength that the, and the power that's behind the whole movement of getting people back to shul, I think is wonderful. It, it has been. It ha- and, and, and one of the, the silver linings of, of what COVID brought our youth was when we were starting to come back to shul and the limitations of the fun elements of shul that we try to incorporate to keep children coming back, the, the exciting games or, or prizes and so on and forth, took on a huge limitation. So it became everyone sitting at their own table outdoors and it became Davin. And it, it, it became a two-hour event where the rabbi had charged me and said, turn this Davening into something special. And I want you to know, we are graduating a class of daveners of our youth junior congregation that are already going, not to skip the teen minion and go right into the main minion. They know tzfilas, they know the meaning behind them, they're able to say them mila b'mila properly, it's something remarkable. I mean, what's better than that? It it really is. You know you've accomplished something important when you look back now. Truly. And when you see them and, and see them walking into shul and enjoying shul, Herbie Garfinkel's with us, youth director. How many years are youth director, by the way? I believe we're going on eight. Nice. Yeah. That's quite a stretch. <laughs> it's, been, it's been quite a stretch. And I say it that way because I think, again, it's a job that most people are not putting eight years into, right? They're burnt out after a few years, but you're going it, strong. It can be. It can be. But when you work alongside a wonderful team, we have a tremendous board of directors. We have a, a president who is invested. As you said, he's, yeah. he's been a part of many... Right. I don't know if the right word is regimes, but he's been a part of, of many leadership. And then a rabbi who works alongside as a true team, a team player. And I think also the representation of, 
of who I am, my background, and where I come from, and also the, dispa- the, the, the disparity, the differences of, of the culturally difference. I think it brings a beauty and an achtos, and I think it's, it's a me'en, is, I think is the right Hebrew vernacular word, or, or to, to say what it's going to be like when Mashiach comes, for, to have a Lubavitcher, to have a modern Orthodox, to have a mix of so many people in one shul, a beacon of, like Beth Israel congregation, it really is something special, and maybe that's why it's surpassing. Uh, that that two three four year mark. No joke. Jewish unity goes a long way. It absolutely does. We have our chairman here of the Jewish Unity Initiative, Ralph Rosenbaum, and uh, it's all about unity. It's all about being together, and it's all about recognizing each other's strengths and using them to the advantage of the next generation. Frankly, that's what it's all about. Uh, Rabbi Garfinkel's with us talking about Beth Israel, Beth Israel Congregation. Are, is programming? Forget COVID for a moment. Is programming very different these days? Because we know that kids are uh, are again, uh, you know, in a different sphere than we were in. They're uh, in many cases spending a lot of time on social media spending a lot of time with friends around the world who are you know at the at the drop of a hat or on their phone speaking to them or or um, interacting with them is youth programming very different than it used to be I, I find that that the children are recognizing that we're back and it's important and it's happy and it's fun and you know it, much it was much more well received and I think actually uh, it's it's I don't think it's more of a challenge I think Baruch Hashem we live in, in a state where, where we were able to get vaccinated and yeah. we were able to go and, and really try to come out of this in a safe manner. And we're led in this community by tremendous, tremendous doctors and Rafa Yedidim and, and those that are really beloved in the community, both in the medical field and, and to, the, to the people. They care about the and, and with that guidance, we've been able to really be in people's lives throughout COVID um, and, and through today, as we're, as we're slowly coming about into mainstream programming once again. And, no question. And the no. children are, are excited about it. Is everything back to normal in terms of mainstream programming? Are we there yet? Is a Shabbos a regular Shabbos here? You know, you, you know, for for the most part, for the most part, it is. Sure, there's a little bit of masking. Sure, that right. we we do our very best. And sure, if somebody does cough, we, you know, <laughs> the ears perk, and suddenly there people are are concerned. But uh, you know, we do the best we can. Transplant or Floridian? What are you? Born and raised here in Florida. Born and raised in this area, or. In this area. That's pretty cool. My grandfather, a immigrant from communist Cuba, uh, came to Miami, Florida at, the, at, the, at, at, at his middle age, and he was approached by a young Lubavitcher boy and asked him to put on tefillin. And uh, it all started from that. How did he get from Cuba to the United States? He was a very astute and smart gentleman, and he was quite the aristocratic fellow. He left behind the wealth of, of, of everything, his entire empire. Uh, but uh, he, has tre- I've, he had tremendous pride in knowing that I was his first grandchild to have smicha. It was the greatest, in day, the greatest day of his life. And uh, like I said, it started with, uh, a, would you like to put on tefillin? Excuse me, sir, are you Jewish? And, uh, and from then, uh, the rest is history. Wow. Phenomenal. I'm glad I asked that question. Rabbi Garfinkel, a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you so much. Continued Great. success. Amen. Nothing more important than inspiring youth and making sure that they have a quality Jewish life and uh, and are able to reach spiritual heights. So a big yeshikach to you. More coming up. Brian Bixen's going to join us. We'll close things out. A big shout out to our New Jersey chair of the Jewish Unity Initiative, Ralph Rosenbaum, who has accompanied us here to Florida. Pretty amazing. And to all the people who have been with us for the last three hours, a big thank you from all of us here at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Final minutes from our initial trek to Miami Beach. We've done shows in other areas of Florida, but never in the epicenter of the Jewish world of Florida. Miami Beach, Florida. Rabbi Donald Bixon is, of course, the spiritual leader, the Muradastra of the Beth Israel Congregation. We both want to thank Paya Capital for sponsoring this show. Big shout out to Paya Capital. Uh, we also want to thank. Did you have a chance to? What is happening? I don't know. When you when you get toward the end of the show, you know what happens. Did you have a chance to meet our uh, New Jersey chair of the Jewish Unity Initiative, Mr. Ralph Rosenbaum, who traveled with us all I the did. way to Florida? Yeah, New Jersey. Well, East Brunswick. East Brunswick, Edison, yeah. Highland Park. Almost Raymond, all the same area. The Raymond Dynasty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Not for Rabbi Pesach Raymond, there would be no 
Edison Highland Park. That's right. That's right. You forgot to mention that. So that would be your... My wife's grandfather. Wow. More importantly, my father-in-law, Hillel Raymond, is you the hear reason this? why there's still a community. Rabbi Pesach Raymond is the rabbi's wife's grandfather. That's unbelievable. And but, we're talking- you, but my father-in-law, Hillel Raymond, who just made Aliyah, he sustained the community for many, many years after Raymond passed away. My father-in-law completely behind the scenes carried the community, you know, just not with his right. own two hands, making Pretty sure amazing. that his father's uh, legacy would continue in terms of Torah education. Pretty amazing. And, and if I may. Yes, Ralph, go right ahead. And, and if you may, your father was also Ralph. Father-in-law. Father-in-law, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Your father-in-law was also the uh, principal of uh, Rabbi Pesach Raymond Yeshiva. My, that's my wife's grandfather. My grandfather, right. in Highland Park. Yeah. And uh, my wife worked with, I'm going to get crazy, with his, with uh, a, a Rabbi, Rabbi, Shraga Gross's wife. Right, right. So Rabbi Gross right. from here. Right. right. That's the one the I'm Rabbi talking Alexander about. Gross. Correct. We will be at the school Gross. tomorrow. Correct. So Rabbi Shraga Gross right. became the principal of the school. That's pretty amazing. Same year I married my wife. <laughs> That's pretty funny. A big thank you to Sarah Bandehoe. Sarah, thank you. A big thank you to Dietrich Dalmoa. Dietrich Dalmoa, thank you. Strolly Meyer, thank you. Paya Capital, thank you. And, of course, Ray Bixen for my own staff. I want to thank Avrami Finkelstein. I want to thank Yoni Pollock. I want to thank Zalman Kopel. I want to thank Miriam L. Wallach for producing today's show. And, obviously, I want to thank Ray Bixen for hosting us. So it, there's a history here that we didn't touch on uh, a lot earlier. We have a couple of minutes. Uh, I mean, look, Rabbi Wine is an international name. He was the rabbi here in this Founding rabbi or, or rabbi? No, there was a rabbi before him. And then, as you heard earlier from your president, a nice list of some very effective leaders who were in, thank God, thank God. Who were in the position that you've had the honor but of But all the great Rabbi Wine stories yeah. were pretty much from here. <laughs> They're all from Florida? So sometimes like, I read the stories and try to figure out, <laughs> Which like, guy it's that guy. It's for sure that guy. <laughs> and anybody familiar with Rabbi Wine's uh, lectures knows exactly what you mean. Lots of Miami Beach material. Um, and now you're here uh, since 1997 and having survived, thank God, this crazy era. Hopefully, as Dr. Cement alluded to, hopefully now it's really going to be coming to uh, an end, whether it's an abrupt end or not. And uh, so far, the 5782 season down here has gone well. And I don't Amazing. just mean that people are moving here and you're meeting a lot of new people. I'm talking about the congregation itself. Like I said earlier, because of Miriam Wallach, we had Ohad. It was a transformative experience <laughs> for our congregation. It was amazing. We are hoping that uh, he will return. And uh, really was just an unbelievable experience. And how was Shabbos Bracious and Shabbos Noach since Shabbos then? Bracious, Shabbos Noach. I turned to my wife at the end of Shabbos. She always asked me, how was Shabbos? I said, as long as they are happy, I'm happy. And that means the congregation. So that means the congregation. And they are happy. So, so far, so good. I got the, Listen, I got the best youth director in town. I got the best youth director in the state. I probably got the best youth director in the country. He's not a youth director. He's my partner. Got the best president in the country. Got the best wife in the country. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. You surround yourself with good people. Yeah, I have good people. That's all that matters. Well, it's a good perspective because there are certain things that the people you just mentioned can do that you cannot do. A lot of rabbis don't understand that, that sometimes they have to delegate and trust their staff to get it done. The people you just mentioned are getting it done. You saw how impressed I was, not only with all the comments about the youth director, but those few minutes I had with your president, it's obvious that he is, as someone said earlier, invested in the future of this shul. Very much. The past, his parents were here, his grandchildren are here. He's, uh, every minute he thinks Beth Israel. Yeah, no joke. All right, so you're, you're, thank God, again, 
with the grace of God shining upon this community and all others, you're not worried about the future. You are off to an amazing start this season. <laughs> I'm always worried. You're always worried. <laughs> That's right, Carfick. I'm always worried. Try to add a positive note there, Robert Vixen. But it all. It's because I worry that, thank God, things go well. You know what That's I always what I say? say? If I wasn't worried, I'd be worried. Right, exactly. Um, but there is a bright future, thank God. And people do look at this community as an older one. People do look at this community as whether there really is a future. But you see all these young families and all these young children. Tomorrow we're going to be at the Hebrew Academy. We've already been given uh, an indication that the population there is a lot different than it was a year ago. A lot more students from different areas coming into the school. There's a lot more students. But remember, people think that like, oh, Miami Beach, that's my grandparents live. But two years ago. Before, you know, there was right. an influx, and we're happy to have the influx, and they're great people, and they've added already so much to the community. You have no idea. They've really brought the community to a new level. But two years ago, when you will come, please, in a year from now, my scholar residence, but in two years ago, had you come from scholar residence, you would have tripped coming into the shul over the scooters and the strollers that are parked in front of the shul. Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. You would have tripped... Over the yeah, scooters I get and the it. strollers. So, so people never realize how right. youthful exactly. a community it is. Exactly. We've always had a youth director. We've always had a teen minion. We've always had a women's shear and a men's shear. Now they've grown and they've had new dimensions to it. But this isn't something new for Miami Beach. It's just grown bigger. But it's amazing. Wow. Fantastic. Uh, information about all this, I guess people can go to the Beth Israel Congregation website and read all about it. Absolutely. 305-538-1251. And see what's happening here uh, in the congregation. And I thank you very much. This is a dream come true. You were you were saying, you were tossing around the word dream, you know. In a, no, no, it really is my dream come true. You are. Yeah, you know, I know, but I'm talking about my many, dream many years, to finally get here. You know, many years, that, you know, I, I look at you in admiration. You are the voice well, of the you. Jewish people in many ways. You have brought awareness to the community. It's not just that you play the music of that makes us feel good. You make us aware of things that don't always make us feel good, but things that we need to know. You are you really are my hero. I have to be honest. I, so it's a pleasure to have you here, and it's uh, my dream come true. A, a humbling, humbling experience. And I know all your kids, and they're amazing kids. So well, thank uh, you. You did you know great on, as on I each al- and every one of them. As I always say, Stacy Siegel did a very good job. She did. She did a she very did. good job with those kids. Thank God. And they continue to advance. Uh, and I thank you for that. And um, uh, all I'll say is that it's, uh, it, it's remarkable uh, the way the American Jewish community continues to grow. There are a lot of places around this country that are booming. You probably know about this, not just Florida and Texas, but other areas as well. Uh, but you have the privilege of being at one of those incredibly booming communities and seeing wonderful growth on a consistent basis, which must be an amazing feeling. It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. Right. It's always been that way. It should always be that way. We just want to have, we want to surround ourselves with good people, positive people, people who are like-minded in terms of seeing a vision of what uh, a modern Orthodox Jew can accomplish in this world. So it's been amazing. It's been amazing pre, during, and now please God, it should be post. I always tell people that there's BC, Right, DC, and now AC. So please, God, we're AC. Are we still DC or not? I need to know. I hope. I really need to. I hope. I hope we're like at the end of DC. Amen to that. Right, Bixen, I thank you. I thank you. You're the best. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AlchemSegal.com, and the AlchemSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. 
Well, what can I say? The first leg of a uh, two-show journey to South Florida has been amazing. I want to thank the Beth Israel congregation, all the people, Paya Capital, and all the wonderful people, right, Bixen and Company, uh, for uh, uh, welcoming us here. Uh, what a great show. We met some fantastic folks who are doing wonderful work in continuing to, b- to build a youthful and vibrant Jewish community. Tomorrow we'll be at the uh, Hebrew Academy. Uh, the uh, One of the crown jewels of Jewish education, really in this country, but certainly in this area, uh, will be the Hebrew Academy tomorrow. Join us for that broadcast, and thanks so much for tuning in. Plenty coming up on a Tuesday here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Big thank you to Ralph Rosenbaum, our chairman. Thanks to listener Cena, of course, for staying here with us the entire three hours. And to the Golds, who are as good as gold, we thank them as well. Big thank you to Miriam Wallach, our producer, and of course our entire team. Until tomorrow, it's Malcolm Siegel reminding you from Florida, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.